Welcome to episode 146 of the Grip Strip Podcast, football talk and motorsports Scrooge edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host, and uh, I have to go back to my. Uh, uh, I have to go back here. Just give me a second. I want to introduce him properly. Um, we do have that great. We do have that great um, announce. I'm going to have to copy paste it here into the page here. He's a computer genius, an iRacing Indy 500 champion, a gentleman, and a scholar. Happy belated Thanksgiving to Josh Fine. What's going on, brother? Hey, I love that introduction, though. But doing great, Phil. Uh, it's been a, a good Thanksgiving, of course. Um, spend time with family. Uh, you know, had a lot of people over for Thanksgiving. Had a you know, mix of. Uh, Filipino and American food for Thanksgiving. So, you know, a lot of, lot of different uh, types of dishes that we had, a lot of different types of cooked, uh, yeah, a lot of different, you know, types of meat that we cooked over there. So pretty good, so, you know, spend time with family and friends. But, yeah, good weekend of football as well. I mean, that's really, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. But, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars won on Sunday. Trevor finally had his game. He finally had his game, man. The game where he actually put the team on his back and won it. So I'm, you know, happy to see that finally happen. I am too because I have him on two of my fantasy teams. Although unfortunately, I did not have him playing in one of them, and we're we probably would have won if we did. But whatever, seems like the whole year. But yeah, we're gonna talk football first here today. Uh, there, it's a light racing weekend this past weekend, but there is racing. The GSP is of course all about that, but we're also about football. Might even get a little bit U.S. soccer in there since they're playing. Uh, this is Monday night. They're going to be playing on Tuesday in um, Qatar to try to stay alive in the tournament against against Iran, who wants to feign um, offense to being called out on their bullshit. Um, I'm all for that in terms of the U.S. because they should be able to do that. It's peaceful protest, unlike the bullcrap that they do there. But that's that's for another day and I guess for another show maybe, but um, yeah, we'll get into football. Josh's Jaguars, great game, taking guys off the scrap heap like Zay Jones and, and, and Jamichael hasty and insert name here guy. And Trevor Lawrence was throwing darts. And when you look at how bad Clemson is these days, it go, you can hearken back to when Trevor Lawrence was there and nothing was, nothing seemed to go wrong when he was around. Um, that was a great game to watch. Um, it's a game that a lot of people are going to key on, I think, now to go and play the Baltimore Ravens the rest of this season, especially seeing as they're likely going to make the playoffs. Um, Cincinnati does have a chance possibly to pass them, but it's going to be hard for them. Um, Pittsburgh, of course, is playing right now against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, they have a field goal so far, so we'll get into Jacksonville. Uh, we'll get into Josh's fantasy team that at the moment is in a position to uh, make it into the playoffs in uh, the Fall Brawl Fantasy League, while um, myself, um, I'm not, uh, doesn't look as good for me. I'm going to need a little bit of help. I'm doing well this week in fantasy, and uh, but in terms of actually, um, oh wow, look at that! Of course, um, Tiger Wood. Okay, yeah. So I'm gonna. I guess some more stuff to talk there. Uh, but um, you know, we we'll talk about the Niners. They won against New Orleans. Big game this week against Miami. Should have been on Sunday Night Football, but because of the Cowgirls, they won't be. 
So we get the Indianapolis Colts on Monday night, and then we get to see them on Sunday night get their ass kicked. Uh, we'll talk about NFL in general right now, the playoff races and all, and division races. We'll get into major news, NASCAR, uh, it's Champions Week. There's some stuff that's been going on the last week or so that we can get into and chew on. There's stuff also in the world of motorsports that we can also look at. We'll discuss all that before we get into the roundup. The Extreme E season finale was quite uh, quite chaotic, uh, very chaotic, and uh, saw a big change in the points based on what where the points were prior to uh, racing there in Punta del Este in Uruguay. Uh, the World Touring Car Cup, uh, the World Touring Car Championship, uh, raced their last race in Jeddah in Saudi, and that's the, the last time they'll run that series. But, of course, TCR exists in other countries and, of course, here in the U.S. with the Michelin Pilot Challenge. So curious to see what some of those teams do, if they may come over this state side or not. Supercars have their season finale at Adelaide. Uh, they will run their season finale there at the old uh, street circuit there. They've, of course, made changes over the years. And then they will open their uh, 2023 season at Adelaide, kind of like how Formula One did way back when, when they left Adelaide and then went to Melbourne. Um, they'll run at Melbourne with the Grand Prix for the second race of their season. We'll, uh, we had the positives, the things we were happy about last week. So what... What made us mad this year during the motorsports season across all different uh, levels, all different series? Um, probably going to get into some ranting about certain drivers and how they drive and some of the other BS that took place to bureaucratic bullcrap that took place uh, seems to be the same way as it is in in, uh, um, in regards to uh, politics, too, I guess. But we'll get into all that. Josh will talk about the sim game, uh, sim side of things. I'm I'm all for trying to get us into the uh, the Thursday night blunder deal. They don't have as many races this year. I'm trying to figure out. We need to get in there. That would be huge for us. You have to see if I can get in there. That's on. They always have, I forgot. That's on Thursday. the, uh, the uh, dinner with racers, right? Yeah, they have it on their, their YouTube and they have it on Facebook and but they have, and they also, I think, have a. I'm not sure if they have a Discord. I'm sure they do. Uh, I would assume they do. So I kind of, I'd have to look that up. But um, that would be something for us, for Josh, because being the expert sim racer that he is, it would be good to get in with some of those other dudes that are regulars um, and get Ryan and and uh, what Sean to talk about the GSP car. Would be kind of cool. But we'll see about that, and uh, we'll close the deal. So yeah, I know Josh knew Josh was going to be happy because Trevor Lawrence, uh, the same guy that a few weeks ago um, Josh was trying to you know put out the pasture, he wasn't too happy with him. Well, Trevor Lawrence looks like the number one pick in the NFL draft, and he looks like somebody in a in a class, a quarterback class that has definitely taken a lot of a lot of uh, shots here in the last few weeks in terms of uh, productivity. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, I think, has played a tone setter game against a big time team, bringing his Jaguars back at home against the Baltimore Ravens to get that victory. And in turn, I think, has maybe started the climb where at least you know that's good. And uh, I mean, you were ETN was nowhere, he got hurt, whatever. I mean, uh, it killed me in fantasy, but. 
in terms of like not having your number one running back and then being able going to like your second third options. You're going to guys that were castoffs, and you're you know you lost your number one wide receiver there um, during the game. I mean, they had a lot of chaos going on, and you still won that game. I think it's typical Doug Peterson, though. It's what part of why Doug Peterson is a great coach, and I don't know how he got fired in Philly, but you know, I guess it's working out for Philly right now. But um, Jacksonville does have the right coach, and they do have the right quarterback, Josh. Yeah, absolutely. They have the quarterback of the future now. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has asserted himself as the guy down in Jacksonville. Um, yeah, throughout the year, we've seen him make some plays, make throws that. Yeah, showed that he had the talent of the number one overall pick, but you know he also had some uh, plays where uh, questioned his ability to play as the number one pick. Uh, and today or yesterday, he answered that question finally. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago against the Oakland Raiders or Las Vegas Raiders, they they had a you know a fourteen point comeback uh, that led to you know a twenty seven to twenty victory uh, there, but. Um, it wasn't a last-second comeback like the Baltimore Ravens, but you could see it start to be put together. And then had a good game against the Kansas City Chiefs, even though they lost. Uh, you know, he played really well in that game. Uh, but this game here, uh, first quarter didn't really have much offense. Second quarter, they took the lead and uh, hold it. They held it into halftime. Uh, had a good pass to Jamichael Hasty. Second quarter, third quarter, no offense, and then fourth quarter, uh, they finally put it together and they uh, scored 14 points plus a field goal off of the turnover. And uh, so, you know, seven, 17 points. So, uh, and, and the two point conversion. So yeah, definitely a, a good conversion there um, to get the win, but he, he did what he needed to do down 20 to uh, 27 in the fourth quarter, two minutes drill. It's been the question that I've been looking for this whole year, even going back to last year where he had chances needing a touchdown to either tie or win the game, and he finally answered it. And it almost looked like it was going to happen again because the defense, uh, you know, they gave up a score. Uh, they were already down by two, and then they gave up a score. Uh, you know, Deshaun Jackson burned him for 65 yards or something uh, along the way, uh, 35-year-old Deshaun Jackson. And, uh, you know, they Ravens went and made it happen. You know, Josh Oliver, former Jaguar, got traded in uh, the 20, 2021 training camp and then he got a touchdown. He had a good game and everything. And it was like looking like, oh, one of those stories where, oh, the former player of this it comes back into his uh, play against his former team and, and uh, goes and uh, helps get the victory for, you know, the team he's currently playing for. And then, uh, you know, early on in that game-winning drive, Trevor Lawrence missed his A. Jones. Uh, then he got sacked, fumbled it. Uh, they recovered it, but it was third and 21. It's like, oh, here we go again. Yeah, Trevor's going to uh, choke away uh, another game opportunity, uh, game-winning opportunity here. And uh, he went and got a pass to Christian Kirk, make it fourth and five, pass it to his buddy Marvin Jones, uh, convert the fourth and five. Uh, so just a you know really uh, good sequence of passes. And then he had one over the top to Christian Kirk. And he had another one later on, a couple plays later, over the top or you know down the seam to um, – uh, Zay Jones in both of those plays, the ball was put right in the perfect spot for both players to go go up and grab it uh, away from the defenders, and they were 
you know, they were able both Christian Kirk and Zay Jones able to put it there uh, where where they could make the play, and then just put you know the clock is running. I thought they were going to spike it uh, and and uh, you know conserve some time, give them time to get in. Because of course Jaguars have you know struggled in the red zone, but that would have been the the wrong thing to do in that situation. Just you know keep the momentum rolling and let the clock go. And you know they hurried up to the line, uh, fade to the end zone to Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones gets it on his right foot and. You know, gets uh, his right shin touches the ground before he falls out of bounds, and yeah, you know, just incredible play there. And then uh, two point conversion, which thought was the right move, they go and uh, looks left and throws it to uh, Zay Jones uh, right right at the boundary. So yeah, really good uh, uh, you know game there throughout you know, throughout the game. Really entertaining. You know, the uh, defense held up uh, the Ravens, held them to field goals. Uh, you know, offensively, I mean, they weren't great throughout the entire game. You know, they only had like three out of 12 on third down, but, you know, they made the plays when it counted. Of course, like I just talked about, uh, you know, the defense at, in the fourth quarter came up with a fumble uh, and actually had a, another fumble at the beginning of the game, but then uh, they touched the uh, out of bounds before touching the ball. So uh, that one went back to the Ravens So in the first quarter. So they had two fumbles on the day and, you know, just a, a good Good playmaking on the defense. You know, uh, Trayvon Walker drew a holding penalty, uh, even though he didn't get a sack. He drew a holding penalty, which you know drew the Ravens back further on one of their drives. So, yeah, just uh, all around great playmaking by the you know whole team, but especially Trevor. Like I talked about, you know, been looking for that game for him uh, where he put the team on his back and went and won the game, and it's absolutely what he did. And you know, they got the. You know they got the conversion with 14 seconds left on the on the clock and everything, and uh, you know they gave just a little bit of time for Lamar Jackson to come back and win the game, and uh, possibly, and you know they got a first down, and they skip kicked it, got a first down, then left Justin Tucker, you know, just enough enough of distance, possibly yet another um, NFL record-setting field goal, uh, which would have been like a 67 yarder if he had made it, but it was just one yard. You know, one yard shorter on the field, and just didn't have enough distance there. So, pretty much, absolutely at his limit. And you know, conditions are different. You know, with uh, where he did it, set the record. You know, he did that one indoors, and you know, now in the outside and the elements, everything is probably a little bit of wind. Uh, Tucker, you know, didn't make the field goal and everything. So, uh, yeah, just a you know, incredible, thoroughly entertaining game. You know, throughout throughout the whole you know the whole way, um, it was a little bit delayed to thunder and lightning at the beginning of the game. And everything, so uh, which is crazy because, like, where my parents live in Jacksonville, where I'm from, it's like it can not be raining there, but then center downtown where the stadium is, it's raining. So, uh, yeah, just a lot of craziness. And it was even funny that Jackson Deville, the mascot, had uh, just a thong on. I think he was trying to represent for the U.S. men's national team. He just had a freaking thong on and uh, was pretty much celebrating the whole way trolling the Ravens throughout the entire game. So, you know, that was real entertaining to watch. But, yeah, we'll see how, you know, Jaguars can do next week. They play the Lions. So we'll see if uh, they can go up to Detroit and um, have a game up there. Uh, Lions are pretty scrappy as well. Uh, so we'll see if they can pull it out there. But, you know, Trevor went and did absolutely what he needed to do. And, you know, don't don't think I'm going to say anything negative for a while about Trevor uh, unless it's to actually critique a play. But you know, not going to have any more hot takes like, oh, he's not the guy anymore until until he like has a complete 180 re- 
regression or something, but you know, today he uh, showed what he was made of and why is there, you know, yesterday why he was the number one pick. So yeah, um, you know, glad to glad to see it happen to everything. And um, you know, at the beginning of the year, beginning of the season, to put on a bet, you know, either that they'd make playoffs or, or uh, get eight wins. Right now they're four and seven, still three games behind Tennessee. So we'll see if uh, you know they're able to uh, get that and make that happen. But you know, um, got six games left, so got at least four games that they could win to at least make one of my bets go right. So we'll have to see. But yeah, definitely a, a win that I was glad to see happen and everything. And you know, hopefully it can continue. Yeah, and I mean, you should go and talk about where you're at in regards to the league as well. Prior, I'll go and get kick in after that. In oh yeah, well, to fantasy. Yeah, with fantasy, um, you know, it's interesting because. I, I had Foye Oluokon, linebacker for the Jaguars, and I guess I should have started him, but for some reason I didn't. I don't know why. I guess I wasn't paying attention. or um, yeah, I, I really think it was just because of the projections and everything. Uh, the linebacker for the Atlanta Falcons had a slightly better uh, projection and um, had a little bit better rated game uh, against the, I forgot who they played, the, the Redskins or the uh, Commanders there, and Jacksonville, uh, I guess the game matchup with the linebackers was lower ranked, so I went with the uh, Falcons uh, linebacker, and I should have uh, had Luicon in there because he scored 37 points, and I probably could have used it, but I don't know how much that would have helped. Still behind um, against uh, Wilson. You know, Wilson's got a good team as well. He's got both uh, Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, so that was going to be a tough matchup, and I was watching that Thursday night game on Thanksgiving, uh, and you know, I was trying to root against the uh, Minnesota Vikings, and every time they made a pass to Justin Jefferson, I was just cringing because, like, I knew that I was going to help uh, Wilson there. So, yeah, just a tough matchup there. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. But we'll see if something happens. If uh, suddenly Najee Harris plays out of his mind or something, and Jonathan Taylor uh, somehow doesn't play anything and and uh plays very very literally or does very poorly so yeah we'll see what happens but um it's going to end up being i think a uh you know six and six record on the year and going to be tied again for fourth place i might actually drop this time since i'm going to lose the tiebreaker based on points scored i think so and yeah, we'll see how it all falls out here in a couple of hours once the monday night game against the steelers and the colts finishes out but you know we'll just have to uh regroup next week and and try again and everything so yeah we'll see what happens and you know thanksgiving i was talking to my brother and some our other friends uh we were talking about fantasy football i was talking about our league and how the points are scoring and they said is insane because you know we get points for uh rb carries we get points for targets uh we get points for a lot of things uh you know we don't have kickers uh we have the super flex with two qbs and you know we had the super super flex last year uh, since we flex tight end and everything a little bit different than that and we have idps and all that stuff and um they're like yeah like that's insane you know i was telling them about the one year that we had uh i think i was going to go going to get up against joe and i had like a 290 or something like that's a great game and then joe had like a 300 something and i'm like yeah that's pretty tough so yeah we uh, were we were trying to figure out i'm sorry we were trying to figure out where if the 300 had been scored before so now you're already saying that in the final i think that was in the final because you made the final the first year you're in the league i think that was or one of the i I don't think it was that it was against joe we have to go back and look at it 
um, I have to go on because I, I tried to look at this on the app and um, it only goes back to this year. So I'd have to go back mm-hmm. onto the website or whatever and look at it. But I think I'm going to say like October of 2020, I think like, okay. might have been like like mid-season at some point of 2020. I had like a 200-something game and I think it's the highest points I've ever scored and Joe had like a 300 or, or something. So just hit the ball out of the park there. And I think even if I... If I had, I, I left some points on the bench somehow. So, um, yeah, I mean, 2020 was a crazy season for fantasy and offensive output was through the roof, you know, because there was no fans or anything in a lot of the stadiums and everything. So, uh, offenses were really productive in 2020 and, you know, 2021, um, or 22, they're been reduced a little bit. They've defenses are starting to counter the offense that has been, you know, being output, but, you know, we still have some credible games, uh, offensively. So yeah, definitely, uh, something to look out for in the next couple of weeks with fantasy. Um, but I, I mean, I had a, um, my own team, uh, I mean, Derek Carr and Geno Smith faced up against each other and both had 30 point games and they went to overtime. So, uh, those are the only two really, uh, points scored, you know, major points scored for me, uh, off you know on my team. Derrick Henry had a pretty good game, but he fumbled at the beginning, so you know left some points on the table fantasy wise, scoring touchdowns. Tyler Higby did not show up. Uh, Derek, or I think Darren Wilson on or Donovan Wilson on the safety on the Cowboys had an interception taken away from him, or I think because of a penalty or something. So on Thursday against. Uh, against the Giants. So, yeah, that was a little bit disappointing there. Uh, like I said, I, I left Foye Luke on the bench and scored uh, 37 versus uh, Michael Walker, who scored 18. So that's uh, some points left on the board there for sure. Uh, yeah, David Montgomery had solid game, even with the ball, uh, backup quarterback. Tyreek Hill a little bit underwhelming. Uh, and Debo Samuel um, had uh, scored less than what he normally scores. Um, and you know, you'll talk about it in a minute, but you know, Jimmy G, uh, and the 49ers had a 13 zero, uh, win against, uh, at home against the saints. So, uh, yeah, six and six for me, looks, it's going to be looking like unless something major happens right here. Uh, and you know, out there regroup next week. Uh, I think, yeah, next week I go up against, uh, well, uh, I don't know who's who's island of irrelevancy. So he's the other guy that's gonna Steve. be six and six, Steve. So it's yeah. gonna be an interesting matchup there, and gonna have to win that one to stay relevant, I think. Um, and gonna have to hope for some help otherwise. So yeah, we'll see uh, what happens in the next couple of weeks. But you know, it's getting pretty tight for fourth place in the standings. Things are getting. T- I mean, the reality of the world is for our for our league right now. I mean, I give credit to your brother and friends and everybody that say it's insane i'm glad it's probably working against me now at this point i might have to go and tone it down a bit i've already came to the conclusion that i'm going to go back to a wrt flex because there's only one tight end that's usable in fantasy football to be completely honest and And after that yeah after that you're just you're playing with fire and i don't care for that i did it in protest this year and it's you see how well that's worked out and I'm going to have to adjust some of the stuff with IDPs and maybe adjust some of the other things in regards to, I, I mean, I think I do carries. We do carry points because the running game is not, they've gotten away from the run, but certain teams definitely do have it. So it emphasizes the bell cow running backs and you do get, you get points for, you get the full PPR 
um, which is not usually the thing. So you get some, I mean, I like high, I like big points, you know, it's kind of the opposite of how all of a sudden I've become a soccer fan. I like big points, but, um, I'm going back in time. Yeah. You got blown out against Joe. You lost by, by near over a hundred points. He scored nearly 300 points. He scored 298.45. This is two years ago. And then you lost you had 189.4. So that was um, week seven uh, of that season. Yeah. Yeah. That, okay. that was I, only I think that's the one I remember. Yeah. One, two, only one of three losses you had the whole entire year. Uh, you lost to me week three, and then you lost to um, Wilson in the last week of the year. We split um, in the regular season. And then in the playoffs, I was fourth and I lost to, uh, what is it, Luke, who then got killed by Joe. And I scored good enough. I scored 260 points in the fifth place game where I would have been able to beat him and I would have been able to beat Joe. And that made me mad. And then Luke ended up getting to the third place game and he scored 207, nearly 271 points. Uh, you got got through in the semifinal against Wilson and then had, and then uh, were unfortunately um, taken down by Joe again in the final. So yeah, that was 2020. And um, yeah, this year it's not going to be, there aren't as many lean teams. It's going to be a much tighter uh, situation for sure. Looking back now, we're going to bring up 2021. Uh, Vic, of course, won. I finished fifth again. You got to third. So you finished second and third the first two years in the league, and I finished fifth the last two years in this league. Um, so I'm starting to wonder uh, about some stuff. Um, as it stands, I mean, the Niners, 13 nothing win. It, it had all the makings of a letdown game uh, going against New Orleans after the big win on Monday night against Arizona. Hemi um, going off going and having sex with all kinds of Mexican uh, women and, and, and having fun and George Kittle um, having his wrestling, having wrestling orgasms because he got to meet Pentagon and then probably was porking uh, his smoking hot wife after that, wearing his mask and the whole bit. It probably was like some sort of bonded shit, but you know, I mean, Niners are going in there, uh, it was kind of a game. It was a trap in a lot of ways. It kind of felt like that Atlanta game a couple, two, three years ago when they lost that game. And it kind of set the tone for them to get through. Um, that was when there was two buys because there was only six teams that made the playoffs. Uh, they were the number one seed, though, because they had that huge win in Seattle. Um, you know, Dre Greenlaw at the stop and all that. So in terms of this game, we lose Elijah Mitchell again to an MCL sprain. So don't know how long that's going to be for. He missed eight, nine weeks. It probably precipitated the CMC move. Uh, we moved on from two running backs, and both of them seem to be butthurt about it. Um, we're going to be playing them this week, or at least one of them, because I'm pretty sure Raheem Mostert won't play because he spends most of his time on the injured list. And he got and he got bumped off of the starting role by a guy who got picked up in a trade like two weeks ago, who's his buddy, of course, Jeff Wilson. So... Um, I mean, the the offense, there wasn't a whole lot of offense, but you didn't really need any because the New Orleans Saints didn't show up. It's the first time they got shut out, I think they said, since prior to Drew Brees being there. 
so that's going back 16, 17 years. Um, that was going back to when Katrina happened. Uh, that Katrina season when they had to play in San Antonio and all that, and the Saints were in, you know, deep doo-doo, and that was a bad time, of course. And so, I mean, that's a long time to not get shut out in the league. So uh, I guess credit to them as a franchise, but now they don't really have a direction. They don't have a quarterback. Uh, seems like there's a lot of pieces missing. They do have wide receiver in Chris Olave. They do have Alvin Kamara. But, um, and there are players, of course, you have Cam Jordan. You got some other players on defense, but they're not a very good team. And in that, but the irony in all of that is that division sucks. Every single team in that division sucks. Um, Tampa Bay knocked me out of my freaking survivor pool because they somehow or another dumped to the fucking Cleveland Browns. That, that, that boy kisser, Tom Brady, goes and shits to bed in overtime against the Cleveland Browns. Come on, man, you fruit. Unbelievable. I had a, I, I was hoping to get that freaking, I need, I need every dime I can get anyway. But I'm like, I had a bad feeling. And But to be fair, either pick that I was really going to make, I was picking Tampa Bay kind of like, eh. The other pick I was going to make was Seattle. And, of course, they figured out a way to shit the bed at home against uh, Las Vegas, Oakland, L.A., and other parts unknown Raiders. Um, I mean, they that they, they let Josh Jacobs run over them the way that, that Beast Mode used to run over people. You know, like that's that that never happened. People talk. I mean, I like how how um the hell's his name? Pete Carroll talks all the shit. Everybody's been piling on to Russell Wilson because he sucks and he's a hack and he's and he and he's a wannabe white guy and he and he can't throw hit the side of a barn anymore. And but the fact is, when if he's such a great coach, how the hell do you let a three win team come into your house when you're in a battle for the division and a playoff spot and get get absolutely baptized? I mean, Josh Jacobs in our league nearly scored 69 points. Like, that's the that's how insane his score was. I've never seen that out of a running back. I've seen guys run for 220 and whatever, but that's, I mean, it probably happened. I, I mean, I've had some really good teams, but my God. I mean, Jeff's team, that's, this is going to be an all-timer. Uh, Jeff, who I know from working at the... Uh, the school uh, uh, that I was like my previous job. I'm like, he's like, yo man, I told you I'm no joke at fantasy. And now I get it. But then it also helps his teams, the Philadelphia Eagles. And he stacked a bunch of players that are Eagles. Um, he is right now at 300.45 points uh, for this week. So as it stands, I'm second 94 points, just yeah, 94 points and change behind him. And Joe is third this week, a few like tenths of a point behind me. So actually, it would have been a a, a very good race if it was if Jeff went around. Um, Philly got into a shootout against the Green Bay Packers, which helped because freaking Jalen Hurts went nuts, ran for 153, threw for 157, and then you get completion points, of course, per ten one point one per point for yeah for every completion. And then um, he also got a tackle, and then he got the rushing bonus too. So, uh, so that's five more points than he would have usually got. And then he got two tutties. So DeAndre Hopkins had four for eighty-seven and a touchdown. AJ Brown four for forty-six and a touchdown. Fumbled a uh, had one fumble, 
lost seven pounds, threw up and broke a blood vessel in his left eye. I just read that on Yahoo and it looked pretty gross. Um, it looked like Davy Allison after Daryl tried to kill him at Pocono um, with the bloodshot eyes and everything. Uh, it was that bad. Um, and he still played and did what he did. And then Miles Sanders had, uh, what is it, 143 and two touchdowns, and he had an additional 17 yards on three receptions. So nearly 36 points there. Saquon, quiet day, got a touchdown. Nothing of great significance, 18.4. And then Justin Herbert had nearly 42 points. I mean, how the hell do you beat that? And then he had Keenan Allen had 5 for 49 and a touchdown on the bench. Amari Cooper had 7 for 94. So he had 35 points on the bench. Legereus Sneed, whoever the... Like, Legereus Sneed scored 23 points. I mean, what the hell? Five tack... Ugh, good Lord. This is nauseating to read this. And he, oh, and he left Brian Burns on the bench, and Brian Burns had more points than Daniil Hunter. He had Brian Burns on the bench, and Brian Burns had two sacks. That's ridiculous. He could have scored like 400 points, scored 350 points. Unbelievable. I mean, the Niners, Niners won the game. They more or less got through the uh, game outside of losing, uh, losing, uh, uh, I'm for no. Why am I forgetting his name? Rushing offense, yeah. And then yeah, Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, I mean it. it there, nothing really happened. They didn't. It was a tough game to make a lot happen. I'm reading Myoko's uh, recap. He didn't give a good grade. Paired one pretty enough passing and rushing defense. Yeah, the defense and the special teams won won the game. D'Amico Ryan's is going to be a head coach in this league. And it should happen immediately. Uh, he is one of the best coaches in the game. Uh, I would think the Houston Texans. He is a former Texan, a uh, longtime Texan player. I would think they would want to do that. It would be good box office and PR. I'm sure he'd want to hire some of his teammates back, like Andre Johnson and other guys, uh, because they need all the help they can get. Because they're a fucking dumpster fire. They didn't even. That whatever they did on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins, they didn't even look like they could play in the Big Ten. You know, they didn't even look like they could play SEC East. You know, like they they wouldn't even be able to make it in the ACC, honestly. And the ACC sucks. Like they even I beat mean, Ivy League. <laughs> oh yeah, they could beat Ivy League. They could beat Ivies. I I mean, I think Kyle Brandt would take umbrage to that, but they could beat an Ivy. But I think they could beat somebody in the ACC. You know, AAC, some of them smaller. I think Boise could beat them. Um, and I, that's my personal. Thought. I think Boise State could beat them. That's how bad they are. Uh, they're a joke, and they're going to run Lovey Smith out the door, and it's embarrassing. Um, they're not even a r- real football team right now, and um, it's a shame, really. And it's, I mean, they're bad. They're a badly run franchise, uh, just like the Washington Generals, Commanders, but somehow or another. They are uh, in the playoff race, and that and that's insane to me. How crazy the NFL uh, is this year! The kind of teams and this kind of stuff that's going on. I mean, we look at the playoff. I mean, it wasn't a pretty game for the Niners. They won. They're leading the division, and they're in the number three seed for the playoffs. And they have a huge. They have a two game lead on Tampa. So they're likely going to get the three seed. Minnesota's a game behind Philadelphia. Of course, they got killed by Dallas. Uh, 
I think the only other loss they had, I'm trying to figure out who who else did Minnesota lose to? I'm trying to, I guess I'll bring Minnesota it up Minnesota lost to Dallas. They lost to the Eagles. Yeah, they lost to the Eagles bad too. So there you go. Yeah. So they've lost, the, so they wouldn't even get the tiebreaker if they tied. So yeah, they lost to Philly and Dallas. And then they're going to have, um, they're going to have, what is it? Next week, they're going to play the Jets, which is an interesting story after yesterday. We're talking about the draft class where you got Trevor Lawrence there, Josh. The guy who was the number two overall pick was sitting on the bench and didn't seem to be all that interested, uh, while Mike White looked like Joe Namath out there throwing darts to anybody and everybody. Had Garrett Wilson benched on our the team that I on my sleeper team with me Vic and I have, and he goes off for two touchdowns, of course. And um, they picked up some running back, I think from from Stop and Shop, and he went and took over because James Robinson didn't play, and I forget, I think uh, Michael Carter got hurt, so they got some guy from Stop and Shop, and he ran all over the freaking uh, Chicago Bears. I mean, it was insane their offense yesterday. Uh, what they were doing um, as Pittsburgh, I think, has scored a touchdown here. Uh, is that a – it's a pass. Oh, no, it's a Najee run Harris. for Najee. All right. So, um, Najee Harris, touchdown. I think that's a 10 nothing. Yeah, or no, it's a 13 nothing game. So, yeah, another two field goals. Yeah, they didn't want to flex. They didn't want to flex. Uh, I guess CBS got in the way of that one. I'm like, yeah, or whoever's going to announce that. I don't know who's going to have that never game. never flexed Monday Night Football. I don't well, think- no, not Monday Night Football. I'm talking about Sunday night because this same shitty Indianapolis Colts team is going to be on Sunday Night Football, and they, they didn't flex them out for Miami, San Francisco, which is a bad look. But um, Yeah, I don't know how the Colts even deserved a primetime game this year. I, yeah, nobody. Yeah, I mean, from we didn't think they were going to be a dumpster. Said, they were going to be a complete dumpster fire. But yeah, yeah, I but mean, nothing from last season suggested that they should have gotten a a prime time game at all. I get you on that. That is, I I do agree on that. I mean, well, it's also Carson Wentz. To be fair, um, and speaking of Carson Wentz, I'll segue that way. I mean, the Commanders are in that in the NFC East. They're not going to win, of course. But they're only a game and a half out of second right now. Dallas is in second at eight and three, getting that win on Thanksgiving against the Giants. So now they have the head to head in division. They're three and one. Giants are zero oh and two, or and uh, Washington's one and two. And um, yeah, there's this next month is gonna play a big role in where everybody is in that division for sure. Right now, as it stands, um, there's only one representative out of the North and the South and um, San Francisco and Seattle would be in and the Dallas and, and New York would, the Giants would be in out of the NFC East. So right now, Washington is right outside, like just right outside um, the, the playoff race. And so that's uh, something to look at. They're they're a really tough team, and um, they they're they they're what do they call them? They're they're like feisty. They're kind of they they just stay in games, you know. Like, and that's really what makes them difficult. I mean, there's not they don't do anything really amazing. I mean, their defense, of course, under Ron Rivera, you know, will play tough, but 
Their offense is not amazing, even though Brian Robinson had his first 100-yard game. Taylor Heineke is interesting. Uh, that's all I can really say about Taylor Heineke because there's a lot of, you know, uh, what do you, I would say, uh, combustion that could happen there. I mean, there really hasn't been a good quarterback for the Washington general commanders since when Joe Gibbs was there. I think when they had freaking, they had uh, uh, Mark Rippon. I, I mean, I don't think we can name a quarterback that they've had since then that's actually been any good. Well, I mean, uh, for any, RJ3 and Kirk well, RG3, yeah, I mean, RG3, what is it? Mike Shanahan basically killed him. Um, and ended his career in one season. He won Rookie of the Year, and then he ceased to be uh, ceased to exist. Kirk Cousins, I think he's been better, um, been more relevant actually in Minnesota than he was at Washington. Um, you know, to be fair to, him. I mean, but then I think there's also more pieces uh, and in Minnesota, so it's kind of made him look a little better. And he's finally won on prime time, uh, which has been a bugaboo for him. Um, so. Yeah, so right now, I mean, in terms of the playoff race, everybody in the NFC East is still there. Uh, you got one team in the North. The whole division in the NFC South is still playing for a position. The, I mean, first and 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 last is only separated by a game and a half. So Carolina has an interim coach. New Orleans Saints are a shit show. Atlanta doesn't have a passing offense. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in, are not good. One of those teams is going to get the four seed and probably play Dallas at home uh, for for uh, or Seattle at home or San Francisco maybe um, in a wild card weekend game. So that'll be something to see. Um, and the AFC, a little more straightforward. Of course, Kansas City is the second uh, best record in the league uh, overall just because of the points, I think. And, um, you know, they killed the L.A. Rams, basically put them out to pasture, and um, they're, they lead the conference. Miami's the number two seed. Uh, Baltimore is three, even with the loss, but now they're tied with the Cincinnati Bengals for the division lead there in the AFC North. Uh, Tennessee Titans have a two-and-a-half game lead on the Colts, and or two and a quarter game lead because Indianapolis has a tie, and then three on the Jags. Um, Jags aren't really running for the playoffs this year, but I think they're going to be in play for next year. Uh, Colts or Chiefs and the Chargers are uh, in play right now. So essentially, the only division where it's kind of like basically set that one team is going to make it out of there is the South. Um, two teams are in play out of the West. Two teams are in the north, and then everybody right now is in the east is still in play. The Jets had that huge win yesterday with Mike White against Chicago. Of course, no Justin Fields, which made a difference, I think. But I also believe that the Jets were just playing looser and felt better about the world because they didn't have Zach Wilson's stupid ass on the field. The New England got lost a, a close game on Thursday night against the Minnesota Vikings. But and and that was one of the best games that Mac Jones has played this year. He has not been good uh, in general, but at least it looked like he had a pulse. They're only two games out. The Dolphins, of course, look great, but they're going to go into a big matchup here um, against the Niners in Santa Clara this weekend. 
and um, bills have been scuffling a bit. So can they take advantage, depending on what happens with Miami? Can they go out there and win? The Jets have a big matchup against Minnesota uh, in Minnesota this weekend. So it will be a tough test for them, but they have a great defense. Um, so that's a lot to look at. I mean, Cincinnati, they're going to get uh, Jamar Chase back here this coming week. Hopefully Joe Mixon will also be back. And then this they could be uh, off to the races. And if they can get hot now, um, don't look now. Um, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow is made for prime time in big spots. He did it in college. He did it last year. You know, don't give give him the don't you do not want the Cincinnati Bengals in the playoffs. And I think fundamentally, you know, there's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams, and of course, seven will make it. So you really don't want Joe Burrow to make this playoff because if he does, it's a problem. He is a problem. He's done it once. I don't think it's out of the realm that he wouldn't do it again. Uh, one of these days they'll put a roster together so he can win a division and make it a little easier on himself. But, um, yeah, but the problem is Kermit the Frog exists, so they'll never get a bye. Um, Tennessee and Cincinnati have a great rivalry building, which is nice, uh, good to see. So those are, I guess those are some of the things. I mean, I, I wonder about Buffalo. I, I, I think a lot of people have picked Buffalo. A lot of people are now are picking Buffalo and San Francisco, but you, you're you're sleeping. You're taking away the Eagles, who who put up tons of points. Um, the Vikings, who I think are it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Even with the nine and two record, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Yeah, I think they're fake, um, and and they, they're going to get exposed in the playoffs. Um, they may not get exposed in the first game because they'll end up probably playing either Seattle or say the Giants or the Commanders, but. Um, they definitely will get exposed in the divisional round. They will get there. I mean, it, the, the division's over. They're they're up five games, and there's what six seven six to play. So they're about to lock up the division. The Eagles aren't going to lock up the division yet, which might help out for people like Jeff to not lose out to have people getting set. Um, which is my hope, honestly, that they lock up the division. And they have to sit players, and he doesn't have half his team. But considering what his team looks like with all the assholes he benched, they still score points. So it doesn't matter. Everybody has scores points. But my worry is about this weekend playing the Miami Dolphins at high-powered offense with Mike McDaniel, Shanahan clone, um, going and having Tua out there slinging the rock to all these different players, the going and the running backs talking shit about Jimmy not being able to sling the rock. And I'm like, did they watch Monday Night Football? Did they see what Jimmy G did to the Arizona Cardinals? That's like the best game Jimmy has had throwing the ball since when he first came here. Because I remember games like that when he first came here in 2017 before he tore, they tore his left knee up or whatever. He tore his left knee up running uh, against Chicago and that shitty field there, which I'm, you know, I mean, uh, Trey got killed at, at home, but, you know, he, they played on that shitty Chicago field week one. Uh, you know, and the, the, the notion is the Niners gave you an opportunity, you know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, you wouldn't have gotten a Miami opportunity. He wouldn't have known y'all if you weren't in San Francisco, nobody else was picking you guys up. So like, 
get a get a grip on reality, but whatever. We'll see what happens. It's going to be a really tough game. If it's a shootout, I'm curious. I mean, the reality is Jimmy has played well in shootouts before. He did it in New Orleans back when they went to the Super the Super Bowl year. He stayed with the Hall of Famer and Drew Brees, you know, for like uh, drive for drive in the Niners and and George Kittle had a catch where I think he dragged half of the New Orleans defense on his back and his legs um, on one catch. So that was one of the highlights of the year that year. And so, I mean, that th- that was a huge game. He can do that. And I'm, look, I'm no Jimmy G fan, but the reality is I see girls get wet about him and they like looking at him and he has got the chiseled face and heme and all, all the things. Fine, good. I did, I'm like, MF or just go and play like this. Just play like this all the way through the middle of February. If you play at a high enough level, like he played at Arizona and what he probably is going to have to do on Sunday. And he can do that all the way through the middle of February. I don't care. They can sign him for the rest of time. I don't give a fuck because that will mean they have a chip and I'll be happy. That's it. I just need one. I only need one. It's a, it, it, it's with all my sports teams. The Avs, the Avs finally came through after 21 years. You think you you see me caring about the NHL right now? I mean, I'm really not going to look at it until All Star break, to be fair, and that's a month, two months from now. But I'm free rolling, man. I'm a, I'm an adult. I got to see my team win. I got to see my my uh, baseball team win as an adult, and they're never going to win again. And I, I'm pretty sure it is. They may lose their best player too in the process. Um, and lose a lot of fans. Uh, but, you you know, the basketball I gave up on a long time ago. But here, the Niners, it, it means so much. And I know for Josh, if the Jags ever got there, they got close. They've been in the AFC Championship game multiple times. You weren't born when they made the NFC Championship, AFC Championship game the first time, right? Or were you like I a mean- little... I was you were very little. a year old the first time yeah. they ever made the AFC. That was the second year game. of their existence. I, was, I mean, that was even before I even my family even lived in Jacksonville, or even I even was a fan. So I was like, like a decade before I even like knew them. Yeah, you know, and everything. So, so where were uh, you at before Jacksonville? I mean, I lived. I'm I'm originally from Norfolk. Okay. Um, yeah, military service and all that stuff for yeah. my father, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, thank you to your dad for that. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, I I didn't start really watching football until maybe like um, I don't know, third or fourth grade or something like that. Yeah, same as yeah. me. Same so, as me. I only started watching. I knew about stuff around that age, and I um, I really started picking up on it when I was like eight, eight, nine, eight years old, really. And that's where you know we're getting to thirty years now here next year, so. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, I mean, I knew about the Jags and I'd watched them uh, on TV a couple of times when I was a kid, like, you know, before third or fourth grade. But I guess, yeah, around that time, you know, I uh, got into it, I guess, and started watching them following more, even though I was not in Jacksonville at that time. I was overseas. But, um, yeah, when I um, got back into Florida and everything, that's when I really, uh, you know, started rooting for them, like, like hardcore and everything. So, yeah, got that. And. Um, yeah, it's been, been a rough, like basically my whole time up until 2017, like was all losing seasons, um, and everything where, and we had that one eight and eight year with the hail Mary and the 59 yard field goal from Josh Scobie. So yeah, it's been all losing seasons, uh, you know, except for that 2017 year. Uh, but you know, the reason, the reason why this one is so meaningful, the 
win against the Baltimore Ravens is because well, the Jaguars have been 0 for 162, an entire baseball season uh, worth of losses where they were trailing by at least seven points or more within the, t- uh, the final two minutes of a game. And they finally they finally had one. So now they're one for 162. So, um, you know, that that's what, it, it, you know, having quarterback like that can do for you. So, yeah, yeah that, that's what that's what makes it meaningful. But, yeah, this is a, you know, the whole league and everything right now. Um, we, I mean, we have a lot of things that are still wide open uh, around around the league. And, you know, we're going to find out this month here in December, we're going to find out who's for real and, you know, yeah. who's who's a pretender. I mean, I, I can already tell you, like I said earlier, the Vikings pretenders. Uh, I think Cowboys, I don't know yet. That's That's a tough one. Uh, the Eagles, I They're think the, the Cowboys are, for real. Yeah. I think the Eagles are for real. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the uh, 49ers, I think they're for real. Um, as long as as long as long Jimmy G doesn't, you know, make too many mistakes, I think they're for real. Health um, plays a role in that, too, across the board for them. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, the uh, Seahawks, I think they can be a sneaky team. They might be one of those teams that, you know, they, they started out pretty hot and they've gotten a little bit of cold recently but they they still you know pretty formidable and they can't can't take them uh lightly so yeah. you know it's gonna be interesting but yeah the afc um i i actually don't think i don't think the jets are gonna make the playoffs i think i think they're gonna fall out even with mike white and i i think the uh chargers and i i think the bengals based on quarterback play i think bengals and the chargers uh will be in um, over, over the uh, Jets and uh, you have one other wild card. Yeah, too, one though. one other wild card. I I was looking at this last night, the playoff simulator. So it'd be Buffalo. Yeah, that's really tough. That's really tough. Buff fading Buffalo, but Josh Allen's been cold recently, so could happen. Oh, he can. This is right now. The pressure in a lot of ways is 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 on them, but then it's kind of off because now everyone's like talking about Miami. So now they might go underground for like six weeks outside of if they play them again. And if they can split with Miami, then, you know, things might get back into play. Uh, They need to run out these last six weeks and really play tough. That's a huge thing. I think for those two teams that in that AFC East, whoever can swap around and get the home field, because it's the difference between being a two and a five, the five you're going to be playing on the road more than likely for every game and three games in the playoffs. If you or yeah, yeah, you're going to play on the road every game. If you're a two, there's a possibility Kansas City by chance gets knocked off by, say, a Cincinnati, by whichever other team that doesn't get that division. And then all of a sudden you have a home game in Buffalo in the in in February or whatever, late January, whatever the hell, when it's going to be like minus 30 and you could actually have a big advantage, especially against Miami. Think about Miami trying to play in that. Forget it. There's no way Mike McDaniel's going to, as much as Mike McDaniel's a genius and all that, he ain't going to be able to prepare those MFers to play in minus 30. I don't give a fuck what the hell he, he ain't that, he, he's smart and he's, and he's an interesting dude. He ain't, he ain't that good. I, and I'm going to say that right now. You can quote me on that. You can go and write it on stone, whatever. They ain't going to go to Buffalo in minus 30 and win in an AFC championship game if that actually happens. I would like to manifest a Buffalo-Miami thing, so that means that Kermit the Frog is sitting at home, 
personally, I'd rather have Buffalo Cincinnati because that would be a really effing good game because those are two teams that kind of match up with each other. And it could be a shootout between Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. And that would be awesome. I think that would be the best game out of any of them. Um, yeah. Because yeah. I... Wait, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. No, I was I was saying, like, I was looking at the playoffs, and I, I yeah, the Bengals are already in, so they're in the playoffs now. The Jets, I think they're going to fall out, and I think they get replaced by the Chargers. That, that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah, I mean, we have time. I think we could run the algorithm here prior to our break. I think that would be an interesting way to get that one in the playoff algorithm uh, prior to the break and then see how it works out. We'll have another three three weeks or four weeks of data at that point um, for sure. And, um, yeah, my other team on the Yahoo side, I've I've figured out a way. I figure out ways to lose games in this league like nobody's business. Um, I, I mean, I'm losing to a team that's worse than me. That guy, he's a team that's been in this league. I've been in this league for many years, but, um, I matched him. I mean, he had a little more productivity or my wide receiver productivity. I had Chris Olave playing. So that was a problem, but my productivity at, at wide receiver relative to him was about equal. Gave up like a couple of points to maybe a point and a half because Dak Prescott had two picks because he's a bitch. Um, Alvin Kamara didn't exist, so my running back play beat his barely. Um, What's his name? The tight end for the new Juwan Johnson after having a great run, put up a donut. He wasn't the only one that put up a donut yesterday at the tight end position. Part of the reason why I hate the fucking tight end position and I'm a George Kittle fan. I, I mean, George Kittle is one of my favorite people in the world. He's going to be a WWE or AEW champion at some point. Um, he's going to, him and Claire are going to make beautiful babies. But the tight end position sucks in fantasy football. I hate it. Put it as a WRT. If you want to draft a tight end, God bless you. Waste a draft pick on that. I'll pick a running back or a wide receiver, and then you can do whatever the hell you want with that. I, that's what's going to happen. I had Robbie Gould. Everything else was pretty equal. Essentially, the reason why I'm going to lose this week is because I got no points out of my tight ends. And I left Christian Watson. I have Christian Watson uh, on my team, and I felt like I had an inkling like I should just play him because that's literally the only person A.A. Ron throws to. And if I had him, I could have made up for the donut. Um, but I didn't. So let me see if I bring like, I'm, I'm curious cause I do have it here. If I go and play my, um, my team and I go and play, don't why the hell do they not have the starters bench? But I thought you're able, you're able to go and play best. Oh, okay. All right. Bring it up here. Optimal lineup. If I had played my optimal lineup, even with the donut from, from Jawan Johnson and Al, he he still would play Alvin Kamara's one point. I'd have won by like three and a half points with Christian Watson and David Montgomery, which is the the David Montgomery Rashad White or whatever uh, whatever the hell his name is uh, isn't that big of a deal. It's the um, it's really the the wide receiver pick um, that I made in with Chris Olave, which. In a standard league, you can't really play him, especially the way the New Orleans Saints are playing football these days. Might have been a touchdown or a pick, or did he throw it to George Pickens and he dropped it? Yeah, and I have George Pickens, but I have him on the bench. 
And then in our sleeper league, we're going to lose again, and we're now in a tight playoff uh, deal there. So I'm in the mix. We're in the mix for playoffs on all three of my teams, but it's just not pretty. So um, if it's going to be that way, the Niners better do something. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Let's get into some of the racing news, Josh. Uh, It's Champions Week this week. It'll be in Nashville. Uh, going over all three champions, we'll have uh, Joey Logano as a two-time Cup Series champion, Keebler Gibbs celebrating his Xfinity title and taking Kyle Busch's identity to the Cup Series with the 54 and being a douche. Um, and, you know, of course, of course, losing his father, big deal with that. So I think there will be um, motions there for him and for his grandfather and his whole family. Zane Smith, of course, celebrating his truck series title. And um, there's been racing, of course. Uh, they will be at Nashville. It'll be on Saturday um, afternoon. And they'll have it on tape delay uh, on on uh, or Thursday. Yeah, so it actually is on Thursday night. So and then they'll they'll tape delay it and they'll show it on Saturday, um, Saturday evening, I guess. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Um, and then seems like a weird, like they're, they're condensing everything into a couple of days used to be so much bigger, but, um, I guess that's old NASCAR compared to new NASCAR. Um, in terms of other news, uh, Josh Berry won the Thanksgiving classic at Southern national in the Bass Pro shops, late model number three, uh, a week after, uh, his buddy and owner June bug. Uh, got into a bunch of RG bargy uh, running at uh, running that car, and uh, he had a interesting race for sure. But he um, kept it clean enough, and Josh Berry went out there and won. And now he has a hundred wins as a driver for Junior Motorsports or JR, yeah, yeah, Junior Motorsports. Ninety-five wins in a late model, and five wins in um, the Xfinity Series. Um, five yeah and he made yeah and i mean he had a couple of wins this year he had uh, he had three wins this year i think and he had two last year uh running a part-time schedule so um yeah josh berry a lot of news going on with him uh tj majors is going to be a spotter so they've put a they've kind of uh connected and they've built a relationship there through junior so now he's going to be a spotter which is a huge deal um, it could help him, especially on the super speedways. TJ is one of the best in the business. Um, he also, of course, spots for um, uh, or used to spot for Joey. Uh, now he spots and he switched to Brad. So he's with Brad in the Cup Series. Um, Coleman spots for um, Joey. Um, the other piece, Josh, uh, the Junior Motorsports is making a bunch of crew chief changes. Um, what is it? Jason Burdett. Uh, is going to go to the uh, nine, which will be run by Bruckshot Jones with Menards as a sponsor. Taylor Moyer is going to move from the one car to the eight car and uh, to work with Josh Berry. Um, Jason yeah, Burdett was, has been with Allgaier for, for seven years. So that's an interesting uh, move there honestly and bum gardner or bum garner is going to run the direct he's a director of competition they replaced uh ryan pemberton 
uh, with that. And then, um, so that's Taylor Moyer will go over there. Um, and Barry and Sam Mayer. Yeah, he was with Barry uh, when he was running his limited races last year. So he has experience with them. And they won one race together. Um, then, uh, what's it called? Jim Pullman, uh, who is uh, somebody who is familiar with uh, Justin Allgaier coming from Oak Lawn, Illinois, which I think is the same town that uh, Allgaier grew up in. So he worked with Allgaier when he won the ARCA title. And um, he's been a crew chief for Juan Pablo Monterrier. He's been at RCR. He has a lot of experience, so pick up there. And then Marty Lindley, who's been at KBM and uh, is one of the great uh, drivers uh, in in his in his driving career. He's one of the best there was in late models and I think Cooter's Pro Cup and all that in his day. And uh, now he's, um, you know, he, he crew chiefed. He worked with Sam Mayer and K&N. Uh, and Arkham Menard, so they they have a existing relationship. So in the end, there are changes, but all these guys have somewhat of a connection in a way, um, except for Bruckshot and uh, Jason Burdett. But or not, yeah, or, but Burdett is their lead dog, I guess, in terms of crew chiefs at that organization. So I mean, you're the junior guy, Josh. Um, what are your thoughts on some of the things with Josh Barry? A lot of stuff going on with him. Uh, leading into a year where it might end up possibly leading to more things if things go right for him. Yeah, I mean, Josh Berry has been, you know, been a phenomenal driver for the late models for Dale Jr. Uh, for many years, you know, finally getting his chance up in the Xfinity series that, you know, could could lead up to a, a cup spot in the future. Uh, so, you know, what we'll, we'll see how, how that happens and everything. And um, I think, you know, here uh, for now, uh, you know, TJ Major Major's spotting for him. This can be good. TJ's, you know, one of the uh, good spotters. Certainly, you know, really good on super speedways. Uh, this, uh, you know, ever, you know, since he's been with Junior, um, so I think you know that should be interesting to watch out for. Um, and next year for uh, you know Junior Motorsports, they're kind of sh- shaking up things. Uh, you know, new crew chief for Sam Mayer, like I said, uh, Josh Berry, you know. Uh, Taylor Moyer still still the same uh, crew chief. So uh, well, so he's going to return to the number eight car. Spent yeah. twenty two with Sam Mayer. I was looking the chart and Jay scheme was a little uh, misleading there, but that should be interesting. Uh, new crew chief for Barry. So he had a pretty good twenty two. So if he can uh, come out, Taylor Moyer, I think he's a good crew chief. Uh, you know, he's done some things with Sam Mayer. I think he was one of the crew chiefs for the eight car uh, back in 21 and uh, 20 when uh, junior and Josh Berry were doing it part-time. Yeah. Josh Berry yeah. was, he was with Josh Berry when he won at Martinsville. Yeah. In that's, 21. that's true as well. Uh, so that's gonna be interesting. Jason Burdett going to the number nine with the new driver, Brandon Jones. So two, he's going to have a new tr- uh, crew chief anyways. So we'll see if uh, Burdett is able to, uh, if he's able to get, you know, enough, uh, out of Brandon Jones, uh, it's going to be interesting with how, you know, Brandon Jones, uh, coming from Gibbs modest career in the Xfinity. Um, yeah, he's going basically to what became the best ride in, uh, the Xfinity series last year with Noah Gregson. Uh, can he, um, you know, perform at the same level or, um, at least, uh, you know, be a, a net positive for them that we'll see. And, uh, 
Jim Pullman going from RCR to JRM. New Gucci for completely for Justin Algar. Big change uh, there. Justin Algar, of course, long time with Jason Burdett. So uh, it's going to be a big change there for Junior Motorsports for sure. But you know, I think they they know what they're doing, and uh, I think um, you know we'll see if it gets them all back into the. Uh, you know, certainly I think most of them probably make the playoffs. But I think um, get to also think about is uh, who out of those driver group of drivers can make it to the final four. And I think you can probably make a good case that three out of four of them will be in the final four again. Uh, so in the championship four. So um, yeah, I think it, it should be a good change, you know, if they're able to uh, do that. So we'll see, we'll see if uh, they can do that. Um, um, yeah. I think uh, junior motor sports, they, they definitely uh, have a little bit better uh, chance. I think, you know, with, uh, Joe Gibbs racing, of course, uh, you know, they are number 54, uh, no longer going to be having Ty Gibbs there. So, uh, and no Gregson also not going to be in the car with them, of course, moving, also moving up to the cup series. So it's going to be interesting, uh, the level of competition in the Xfinity series and might be set up to be a, you know, really good year for junior motorsports for sure. And that leads into, you talked about junior motorsports and their viability going into next year. And it kind of leads into some of the people that will be in uh, Xfinity, like Cold Custard uh, returning. He will be in a, he'll be a teammate to, uh, what's his face, um, Riley Herbst. So the double zero will be back, the Haas Automation double zero. Oh, she's Oh, I love her. Um, uh, we'll, he'll be in. He'll be in the double zero. Then you'll have um, Riley Herbst in a ninety-eight, wasting a seat as usual. There was rumors that he would get replaced by Haley Deegan, since they're both Monster Energy people. But I guess there's more than just the Monster Energy money. The terrible Herbst money um, is strong because Riley Herbst is terrible. Uh, and um, you know, I think Cole Custer. He got to a point where he was a, a factor in the Xfinity series. He's able to win there and having to reset for a year. He might have to reset for a couple of years, considering where Stuart Haas is at. Um, I would assume the way things are, of course, if you've been in, uh, if you haven't heard the news, Ryan Priest is going to take the 41 car over for next year. I think it's a precursor of future events with Stuart Haas. Um, essentially the only car that I think is solid for the next three to five years is the 14 with Chase Briscoe, not only because of Ford, but because of the connections to Tony Mahindra is a big company and they really love Chase Briscoe and his other sponsors. He has with, uh, high point and high point solutions. And of course, Ford performance racing, those three sponsors, but especially Mahindra, uh, tractors is uh, a lot of money, and so they're they're building with him, and he's got top ten in points this year. Best driver at Stuart Haas. Um, he wasn't the best. I mean, to be fair, Harvick was the best driver. Then that's just a given. He came through late in the year, won a couple races, but then the playoffs didn't work out so well for him. Uh, Harvick is looking at retirement, and um, I would assume that Priest would do the year in the forty-one move to the four if sponsorship and everything can get arranged the right way. Um, Eric Almirola signed a two-year extension after saying he was going to retire, which I think was basically driven by Smithfield and um, Gene and Tony, both, both telling him, hey, you're doing all right. 
we kind of want you to stick around here. He's good on super speedways. He has his moments at certain tracks. Uh, he's not terrible. He's not great. He is what he is. Um, so if they could convince, possibly could convince Smithfield that, hey, Ryan Priest is somebody that could go and promote their brand. Honestly, you look at Ryan Priest, I think he's ate plenty of Smithfield products in his life. Um, and though I do believe he's more likely to have drank plenty of Bush beer. Uh, so if those sponsors are around, they're looking like who can promote our brand. I think Ryan Priest can promote a lot of the brands that Stuart Oz has. Cole Custer would end up getting back in the 41 after a year out. Um, he look, he's a favorite, I would think, um, returning after what is it? Three years in the cup series. And I'm not sure what their team setup's going to be. Um, they're going to probably going to have to hire some people, uh, but I'm sure people are going to want to get on that team. There aren't that many Fords in the Xfinity series too. And you think about, I think Deegan's probably going to be in the Xfinity series with SS Greenlight, um, Ryan Sieg's program. I think Parker Retzlaff, I don't know what his deal is. If he's going to go to the, the, what do you call, what's that team? Our Motorsports, since he ran with them or, you know, Sage Karam. There's a lot of moving pieces and parts of, Joe Gibbs has not announced anybody for his Xfinity program yet, um, or Sam Hunt. So Toyota doesn't have anybody in the Xfinity series right now. Uh, Chevy has their program set with both RCR and uh, JRM. Ford has one team really set, and maybe, you know, Ryan Sieg, of course. So that's three cars, but we don't know where the other Fords are going to be. So there, there are a lot of moving pieces and parts that are going to happen not only on the Xfinity side, but the truck side. Uh, there are some things that have been announced, but a lot of it hasn't. We're, we'll be here to go and inform everybody on those pieces uh, for sure. I mean, Hendrick Motorsports is going to run their 17 car in limited races amongst all their drivers. So uh, that's something yeah, Scott Zipidelli said he was going to leave HRE, so I kind of feel like Scott Zipidelli might be the crew chief at uh, uh, the double zero car. I'm just, I'll just go out on a limb on that one. Um, yeah, we went through some of that. Like, um, congrats to Daniel Suarez um, proposing to his girlfriend Julia PK. Um, the fact is, Julia doesn't seem to be as dumb or fucked up as her other sister or dad or whatever. So credit to her. Uh, Roger Penske is going to receive uh, the Autosport gold medal in uh, this, what is it, this weekend at in London. So because he is, he's the captain. He's he's a goat of uh, motorsports and business, even though a lot of some of the decisions which we'll talk about with IndyCar here later. Um, may not be the greatest, but I think it's more business driven, unfortunately. Uh, Garage 56, they're going to have, they might make some changes to the car based on what they're doing for Lamar, which tells you that Chad Canals is still an innovator and knows what the hell he's doing. Um, hopefully it'll help the product on the road courses and on, um, short tracks in that side. Um, yeah, I mean, we in terms of other motorsports series, yeah, IMSA talking about how their testing is going prior to homologating their cars for LMDH. 
and uh, amongst all the brands, because you got four brands going on there. You have you have Acura, Cadillac. You also have BMW and um, and Porsche with Penske. Uh, that's um, I'm surprised I forgot Porsche because they're they they've had the most testing with their car compared to the other teams and other brands. But I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, way to go. For the Rolex 24, it's, it, I mean, it's not going to be easy. I doubt it. I mean, they talk about it being a sprint at the Rolex 24, but we're going to have time here over the next couple of months prior to the Rolex 24 to see where people are and how, um, you know, things work out that way with those cars and some of the other changes. Um, yeah. So, oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's some news that was on, uh, on motorsport.com and thanks to Jay Ski for some of the other pieces we were talking about there in NASCAR. I was reading some of the other stuff with, uh, uh, you know, Gran Turismo, their Ferraris making a special car for Gran Turismo. I talked about super GT Bertrand Baguette who moved from Honda, came to Nissan, helped Nissan win their first, uh, uh, super GT championship, uh, since, uh, what is it? Uh, in seven years, yeah, seven years for Nissan and the first championship for the Impul team since 1995. So that was a huge deal for them. you talking about that. You got, uh, yeah, so yeah, we'll get you two here in a moment. Um, got some MotoGP stuff. Uh, Charus, which uh, had uh, Logan Sargent in F3 last year has been taken over by Paul H. Muller, who runs PHM Racing, uh, runs in, has run in Formula 4 in, in the UAE, Germany, and Italy. And now they're going to co-sanction or co-run programs in F2 and F3. So he has a couple of drivers uh, that probably would be in play for the two of the five seats that exist amongst Formula 2 and Formula 3. So we'll see what happens with that as the offseason goes on. Um, and then uh, there's, what is it, the team that uh, runs Adam Morgan. His dad's team uh, will be uh, in British Touring Cars. They'll be moving over. Essentially, Adam Morgan's going to move over to West Surrey Racing to run another uh BMW 3 Series, which of course that's their team. So he'll be, they'll become a four car team. He'll join. Uh, he'll be joining um, four time Series champion Colin Turkington, Jake Hill, and Stephen Jelly amongst that um, organization. So that'll be a formidable uh, team there. And um, yeah, the Indigos is high room for Zine, but in time 23. Okay, well, that's good. Hopefully somebody else helped with that. Uh, push the pass. Okay. And then, yeah, Jeddah, the Saudi track, they've made some changes uh, to the track prior to uh, the 2023 uh, Formula One weekend there, um, opening up some sight lines and uh, oh, widening out, uh, moving some walls, which is a good thing, uh, might help with safety and help with uh 
possibility, not as much in regards to overtaking, might be straightening. I think they've moved a lot of the moves or things that they've done, they're moving walls. Uh, it's not as much about going and straightening out anything. Uh, I think they're widening. They put more different curbs and stuff like that. So it's a dangerous track. We'll see what happens with that um, there and um, as we go on. Uh, roundup time. Let's get into that here. In um, The first piece is the uh, Extreme E in Punta del Este. Uh, the finale of the Extreme E Championship uh, was chaotic for sure. As I mentioned earlier, the Apt Cooper team of um, the Apt Cooper team. Oh, why is it? What the hell? Okay. Nasser Alatia and Clara Anderson get their first win in the series. Um, and then in the. I'm trying. What the? Yeah. And then the. I'm trying to find the results. Should have went to, I should have went there, yeah. That's what I'm going to do. And then we're going to go and do this over here. Yeah, so bounce back. And then the McLaren team of Tanner Faust and Emma Gilmore finished second. And third place was x 44 Sebastian Loeb and Christina Gutierrez. Uh, that's Lewis Hamilton's X44 team. Uh, gets the win, gets the championship. In the final round of the season, um, beating the team that had led the championship for most of the season and as was the defending champions, Rossberg X Racing. Um, they were they had issues in qualifying and then not got knocked out in the eliminator race, the crazy race as they call it, which had the X forty four team in it. Um, so then once they got through. They um, were able to get into. Um, they were the last. Uh, they were the last team that got through because the top two teams get out of the top two. Top two out of each semifinal. So in the crazy race, they got through. So um, great deal, Lewis. Of course, bad year in Formula One for him, but you know he gets to hold up a championship with a fellow goat and Sebastian Loeb, one of the greatest rally drivers of all time. Uh, Christina Gutierrez getting that victory. So cre- credit to them. Nasser Alatia, multiple-time Dakar Rally champion, um, amazing driver. Uh, getting that victory for Apt team is a big one uh, there in the in the Extreme E series. Uh, issues for the Andretti Autosport team uh, in both the semifinal and the final, uh, both uh, for sexy Katie Munnings and uh, Timmy Hansen uh, got them. They had issues and got uh, penalties. So um, that was part of the reason why um, they, the, that X 44 was able to get that third place. Otherwise they, they might've lost the championship. So uh, it is what it is there. And that point Andretti's team has been competitive, but they've had some problems. The Ganassi team, with another sexy chick in Sarah Price. Uh, she uh, she made contact with Molly Taylor and uh, in the one first semifinal and knocked off a flag, so then she uh, had penalties uh, going on with that. And then R.J. Anderson was filling in for... Um, why am I forgetting his name? Uh, oh, no, what the hell? 
Uh, now I'm now I'm blanking. It's so bad. I'm blanking on her usual teammate. Uh, but uh, oh, extremely five months. Um, extremely yeah. Uh, Sarah Price, R.J. Anderson championship and um, championship standings. And bring it up that way. Um, yeah, Sarah Price, R.J. Anderson forty-five. So how the heck do you, yeah. Oh, so that's a different, what? How do you just eliminate who she drove with the whole entire year? Like, I don't understand how that works. Eh, it makes no sense. Because it was, um, yeah, I'm forgetting who the hell she drove with or whatever. I can't really, this website, their website blows so bad that it doesn't really matter. Uh, teams and driver, there you go. Might be able to get a little more clarity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. Like they're they just inserted R.J. Anderson, even though that wasn't their regular. That's not their regular team. Uh, she's driven for yeah, of course, and Sarah Price, and then um, Michael, and then further extreme E drivers. I like how they just flat limit just completely removed her teammate from the from this website like she's been driving with somebody else this whole entire time for the start of this championship she's driven with somebody else and then they're like oh yeah you know we'll just act like he never drove for them like really that's ugh. you gotta wonder about about their the um all right except thank you uh yeah i don't want that uh championship copper expiry race results there you go this website is garbage. There, there's some bad websites out here. I wish I knew how to make a website. God damn it! I could, man. Yeah, Kyla Duke. There you go. Fuck. For all of that, Kyla Duke. That's all I needed. There you go. So Kyla Duke had a an, a prior arranged uh, engagement. Uh, probably something you know, family or something with another racing series. But unfortunately, he wasn't able to race this weekend, and they've just eliminated his existence. So. That's interesting. And uh, W, the World Touring Car Cup that took place in uh, this past weekend at uh, Saudi Arabia uh, saw Michaela Scona win for Hyundai, win the championship, and um, in qualifying, he didn't even have to do anything in the races, but he finished sixth in race one, finished third in race two, uh, winner of the first the winner of both races were Audi drivers Nathaniel Berthon in race one, Gilles Magnus in race two, uh, Norbert Mikulis finished second and fourth, Rob Huff uh, finished ninth in race one and fifth in race two, Tom Cornell, who may have followed you and unfollowed you on Twitter if you're a racing fan, finished third in race one and sixth in race two, former Champion, former Formula One podium finisher Tiago Montero, uh, finished uh, ninth in race to race two, thirteenth in race one. I don't, they probably don't, yeah, they don't get points there. So last uh, race of this champion for this series. So we'll see what happens with these cars and some of these drivers. They'll move over to the U.S um run in the michelin pilot challenge or some of the other series that might um be able to accommodate the tcr cars 
there. Uh, the other um, racing series we have to get into, the last racing series that we have to get into for 2022 is the uh, BH Supercars Championship. They'll be running at Adelaide this weekend uh, for their season finale. I mean, Shane Van Gisbergen essentially has um, won the championship. Uh, he just has to show up. Um, there's going to be some throwback liveries this uh weekend you're gonna have the the walk and shine ready united team in their last race prior to moving to ford um so that's that's something uh you know you have going back to adelaide first time in a few years prior to them becoming a regular staple on the schedule again um order stars day clash okay Nice announcement live same data as the Rostrum uh, speeds. Oh, okay. Now that's interesting. Uh, the turn of the soon negotiations are going to Melbourne reclaim them. Okay. Oh, so who knew that they bring back the Sandown 500 and then they had a clash with um, with cams uh, with that. So uh, Supercars Championship will go into, into the points uh, other than that. Uh, you know, the Repco Supercars Championship, the Clasher, Vingers, or the Traders record run. I don't want to hear that. Olds were proud of the wreck Reynolds and return to form. Oh, look at that. An old uh, Scott McLaughlin Super 2 Ford. And he'll be announcing this weekend at uh, Adelaide for uh, the Fox um, announced team there. Bring up those two series. Um, in Repco Supercars Championship, the um, uh, driver's team. Okay, that's what I want. And then um, I, I just want the freaking, okay, championship points. That's what I need. Championship points. Um, in the Supercars, the Cam Waters is second. He's got a good gap over Chaz Mostert, Will Davison fourth, Anton Di Pasquale fifth, and uh, Brock Feeney in his rookie year in sixth, David Reynolds seventh, Brody Kostecki, Mark Winterbottom, Andre Heimgardner around uh, out the top ten. And then, I don't know, if do they have a teams? Yeah, the teams, uh, the Red Bull Triple uh, A team has got a similar gap um, in the teams championship. And then... Um, the uh what do you call the ford not fpr they i forget what they call uh chat cam waters team they he runs monster energy racing and snowy river caravans uh so he drives yeah so uh he drives for tickford yeah the tickford racing team um so that's the second so that's a second place team yeah okay and then, uh, so now they're Monster Energy Racing, yeah, so he's in third, and then Walkinshaw Andretti United, fourth, Penride Racing, fifth, Boost Mobile Racing by Erebus, Derwin Racing, and Toyota Forklift, so that's the Team 18, Boost Mobile Racing is, um, uh, I think, the um, Erebus team, yeah, I think Erebus is, uh, yeah, Erebus is the Boost Mobile team, uh, walking, yeah, so... All right, so that's what's going on there, and supercars will go over that next week in terms of um, in terms of the uh, V8 supercars. Uh, was it called Declan Frazier? 
think is the uh, series points. So yeah, Declan Frazier, who ran at uh, the Bathurst 1000, along with Zach Best. That's um, a 75-point lead there for Frazier, who drives for Triple Eight in the Super 2 Championship. Zach Best drives for Tickford, and I think he's going up to the main game. Matt Payne drives for Grove and driving the Nissan. Cameron Hill drives for Triple Eight. So Tyler Everingham, another one. Aaron Seaton um, got to run at the Bathurst 1000 this year, along Matthew Chada was another one that got to run the Bathurst 1000. Um, Aaron Seaton, the son of the great Glenn Seaton, the baby-faced assassin. Um, it's a close battle. Top five are all in it, so interesting. We'll see what happens. Super 2 Championship's a lot more interesting than the Supercar Championship, but we will talk about that all uh, next week on the GSP. Josh, I'll bring you back in now. Um, you know, we talked about the positive thing that made us happy, uh, last week in terms of motorsports, but there were negatives, uh, across all of motorsports, honestly. So what did, what did you take away as some of the things that bothered you and made you not feel so great about, uh, motorsports this year, um, as we move towards the end of 2022? Well, I think the most obvious one here for me is, I mean, Really, there's three areas they'll focus in NASCAR, Formula One, and IndyCar. And yeah, I think really the biggest one and the one we've been talking about since the middle of the summer is the next gen car, the safety issues in particular. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of concussions. You know, this season we've never really seen the Cup, the cup Series where uh, two major drivers, uh, may, you know, driving for you know contending teams. Uh, being injured from a concussion, uh, you know, the first being Kurt Busch, obviously essentially ended his career, the qualifying crash, uh, at Pocono. And then, you know, the other one being Alex Bowman, a uh, relatively minor hit looked like, uh, at Texas in the fall, but clearly it, you know, impacts to the rear of the car, uh, caused, uh, issues uh, for drivers this year. And, you know, a lot of, even if they weren't, uh, concussed, um, maybe they were, but, uh, they didn't report it or they somehow passed the protocols or whatnot. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of drivers, uh, you know, felt physically sore after, uh, what looked like would have been normal hits in the previous generation car. Um, and, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of issues there. So, um, yeah, clearly, you know, there's issues they're working on it, they say, but, you know, uh, we'll, we won't find out until, you know, we, or racing again, uh, how well those improvements, uh, come out. So, um, yeah, that's, I think, you know, that's obviously the biggest thing that bothered me is the f fact, uh, that they made the car so stiff, uh, that it led to, um, you know, this controversy. And, uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, it's what led to Ross Chastain, uh, pulling off the hail melon, um, you know, because that, that's the only way it was possible with this car um, was it being so stiff and crash resistant that it could withstand the amount of force that it went through uh, during that that run. But yeah, that and then you know, also add in the fact, I mean, really it's NASCAR's incompetence early on a lot of levels, but you know, the fact that you know, the Daytona, the race there, uh, you know, in the fall uh or in August, you know, the controversial ending to that, or will um, crash in that, that towards the end of the race, you know, with uh, the rain happening and then everybody crashing and wrecking and everything uh, is, you know, totally unnecessary uh, there. 
you know, the, another fact is that didn't really race all that well on short tracks for the most part. Uh, you know, Martinsville in particular wasn't really great. You know, Bristol, a lot of issues there, you know, the flat tires and everything. Um, you know, I mean, the one, I mean, say one positive, I mean, it didn't bother, but, uh, you know, the race well in mile and a half, but that was really, I mean, the only thing well that it did, uh, this year, next gen car and the, uh, road courses obviously it's designed well as it's a it's basically a road course car and um shouldn't be surprising when racing excuse me when racing isn't as close as it was last year with uh, the previous car that didn't race all well on road courses when they had more road courses last year uh as well and it raced a lot differently there because it's not designed for road racing the gen 6 car and uh surprisingly you know puts on good shows there but now when you have a car designed to turn right just as well as it turns left then um you know things get to looking like how they would in indy car or you know sports car racing or anything like that but with heavier cars so uh yeah that's that's uh in nascar you know what kind of bothered me the most is just uh you know the issues that they had uh this year because i feel like you know it's unnecessary and plus drivers have been speaking out about it for a while and prior to the debut and looks like they weren't listened to you know william byron uh had that issue in 2020 testing and you know the crash dummy uh results from that it looks like you know they uh i'm not gonna say that they you know totally doctored the results but you know i think i think they really tried to cheat the uh uh design or whatever and um you know they they really tried to uh, you know, go as cheaply as possible, which is what led to all this uh, with with uh, this car. Um, not to mention some of the issues that we saw in the beginning of the year with flat tires and whatnot, uh, the part shortages and stuff like that. So, yeah, that has an issue there uh, for sure in NASCAR, and um, you know, hopefully they can improve upon it next year. Uh, Formula One, uh, you know, I think for me, biggest thing that bothered me was the also the car uh you know i mean at least in nascar you know it was somewhat competitive and fairly competitive at times well you know in formula one um yeah after the first month of the season they figured it out pretty quick uh you know pretty quickly and uh red bull you know after the first month of the year was basically untouchable and ferrari had their moments but you know they screwed it up but you know i thought that this car uh, that they implemented this year would be a lot more competitive in terms of, you know, being able to challenge for the lead and, and things like that and having more exciting racing up front. And, you know, maybe the first one or two races were kind of interesting, but then after that, uh, they figured out, uh, fast and, uh, they, they were able to, uh, have, uh, races where, you know, kind of look, looking like the previous generations where if you, know, you qualified well and had a good first lap, then it's pretty much your race as long as you didn't botch the strategy. So, um, you know, obviously a result of that Max Verstappen winning 15 races, you know, not that I don't mind my Max Verstappen winning 15 races. It's more of the fact that, well, a lot of those 15 wins came, uh, with a lot of domination and maybe only a couple of them did he really have to work for, uh, the victory there. So, you know, that's, uh, kind of what I'd like to see. And then, you know, obviously the big issue is the porpoising in the car, which also another safety issue because, you know, in some issues, uh, cause drivers physical pain. I mean, look at, uh, Lewis Hamilton and George Russell and other drivers, you know, talking about how, how much it hurt to physically drive the car, uh, you know, having issues with their back, having issues, uh, you know, with the helmet bouncing, you know, in the, uh, in the car. So yeah, that's, that was definitely an issue too. And, um, you know, we'll see next year, how well uh 
you know, Ferrari, Mercedes catch up to Red Bull and if they can make a difference. Uh, but, you know, I um, was hoping that, you know, things would be a little bit more competitive, you know, with this car. Seems like it's more uh, designed for the, uh, you know, for underbody, you know, just like NASCAR, they try to redirect a lot of the downforce to with uh, ground effect, try to reduce some of the um, aerodynamic wake effect uh, from previous cars. And um, looks like, you know, it's still unchanged, uh, you know, relative to what it was before. So let's we'll see what it looks like next year. But yeah, it was probably the biggest gripe for me in, in Formula One is just um, lack of competitiveness, you know, after, you know, all the hype that went into the new car. Uh, and then, you know, an IndyCar, you know, I think it had the best racing of all the series this year. But, you know, what did they have to show for it in terms of viewership and numbers and growth, social media stuff? They don't really have a presence there and they got to figure that out. And you know, after a couple of years now with uh, Penske owning the series, you know, they really had uh, much growth in that area that you know a lot of people were thinking that you know they would be able to turn the series into direction where things are going and there are some areas where it's growing yeah for sure but um, definitely a lot of missed opportunities uh, a lot of um, I don't want to call it infighting but you know they they've definitely uh, not had their best head on at times um, uh, you know especially when it comes to kind of I guess a rivalry between Formula One um, they haven't been able to cross promote there as well as they could have um, you know, it seems like I would say both sides aren't wor really working well on that. But, you know, you look at NASCAR and IndyCar, at least when they shared the same track, they're able to cross promote and everything, which is nice and everything. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of times in IndyCar this year where they had chances, you know, with Polo going to potentially going to Formula One, Award potentially going to Formula One, uh, you know, a lot of Colton Herta. You know, obviously going having a chance there and i mean a lot of that was the you know lack of respect towards indycar but now at the same time you know indycar i feel like could have done a better job in there and being able to promote and you know you, you have at least three drivers who could go to formula one and um i feel like you know you have to be able to market that and even if you might lose at least one of those racers to another rival series so gotta be able to promote that um and then you know it's like james hinchcliffe is on sky sports a couple times to uh, talk about Formula One and not that they need to tell them to go watch it, but, you know, definitely at least on the, you know, IndyCar, I mean, he works for NBC and NBC didn't really say, Hey, we got James Hinchcliffe or anything. I mean, maybe it's not their job to promote him. He has to promote himself, but, uh, still, still, I feel like, you know, they could have, they could have at least given him a shout out for being on, on big TV and, you know, on, on sky sports or something like that. So that's something to consider there, but, um, yeah, I mean, those are, I feel like those are the big things that bothered me, I guess, over the course of the year. Just, um, you know, I mean, probably can uh, attribute all of it to incompetence in some way, but, you know, wh whether they just didn't know what they were doing or they went over their heads and uh, went and figured out how um, how not to do things and went and did anyways. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I've been thinking about, um, you know, what bothered me this year in racing and um, you know, just being able to kind of go through it analytically, I guess, and talk about all the things that happened this year from that perspective. But, you know, there's always next year. We'll see, uh, what happens, uh, you know, NASCAR, some of the changes they're making garage 56, and then also, uh, safety changes that, uh, hopefully will, uh, cause some of the issues to go away with the concussions. Uh, and then, you know, see how competitive formula one is next year. So, um, and, you know, Andy, if they can capitalize on some of the publicity, I think they've they've missed over the years so yeah we'll see what happens but yeah uh looking forward to hear what you say here i kind of echo 
a lot of what you talked about. I mean, I'll add one piece to the NASCAR part. Um, you talked about guys like Keebler Gibbs. And we've talked about Keebler Gibbs and Noah Gregson. And I think it goes and expands to like, you know, to, to Ross Chastain and some of these drivers. The lack of respect that exists amongst these drivers across all three series in the main game. I mean, Arca is a disaster in general across whatever, but the truck series is a cluster now. I don't know how it's going to last. I mean, I guess Craftsman coming back in with whoever the hell owns them. I don't know who owns them anymore. Um, may give them some significance, but the truck series is a shell of what it used to be because it's now young kids buy in and, and run the show. You look at Kyle Busch Motorsports, he had three full-time trucks last year um, with Toyota, or this year with Toyota. Next year, he has one full-time truck and one part-time truck, and one that he's basically doing like a pseudo deal with to go and make. Like He still has three teams, but it's not the same deal. He is going to have Nick Sanchez, the defending ARCA series champion, and then a Purdy or whatever the fuck driving the full-time truck. And then he has some other asshole um, driving the part-time truck who sucks um, because they bring money. And the lack of respect a lot across all these series, people driving through people, and you brought up the Gen 7 and how dangerous this car is because of how poorly they made it. Because NASCAR wanted to get this car out there, SOD and all these losers that run the sport. And they and the point is the garage fifty six, as you also said, Chad Canals and, and and you look at how supercars, which is basically what they based this car off of, supercars has their fuel cell in the center and they have it way far ahead. So you have a lot of crushable structure behind that. It ain't stiff. NASCAR put their gas tank where it always has been and then had a stiff rear tail section that won't crush which is why kurt bush isn't driving anymore which is why we had other people go out with concussions which is why cody Ware was falling out of his freaking car at texas when he blew a right front you know I mean, bad year being bad year is always going to exist because they don't have any competition and NASCAR is in bed with them. But the safety of that car is bad. The driving standards along across certain drivers, especially young drivers, is pathetic. Um, Ty Gibbs is going to get used up in the next year in the Cup Series. He may, he'll may he win. I, I figure he's going to win and he'll be in the playoff. Uh, but... He is going to get, he, they're going to destroy a lot of cars next year because he's going to piss off a lot of people. Noah Gregson's going to be the same way. And it's good that Maury Gallagher has a lot of money and Jimmy Johnson and, and Mr. The King to a lesser extent because they're going to be repairing a lot of race cars because neither of those guys get it. And there are other guys that are in that same realm. Um, I mean, people would accuse Joey Logano of being that way. And maybe that's what it is. The guy's a two-time series champion now, and he's won 30-plus races. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, and a decade ago, people thought his career was over um, after he got fired by Gibbs. And he drives with a reckless abandon. But the difference with Joey Logano is it's selective. 
I don't think he drives like that all the time. He definitely, when he knows that a win is on the line and he can get himself in a position to, he's going to make that move. There are people that just drive through people for the sake of driving through people. And that's, you know, the likes of Keebler Gibbs, Noah Gregson, you know, some of these other people. Sam Mayer had that problem too. You know, there's people in ARCA, you know, Joe Graff Jr. made a whole career out of it. Um, hopefully he won't have a career after this year. Um, and he'll get replaced by a similar person, but she has a vagina. Um, you know, like there, I guess I grew up watching a different sport and maybe that's part of the problem, but I also think driving through people and not actually having any racecraft really proves that you don't belong out there. I don't care what paycheck you bring. I know there's plenty of this whole sport exists in large part because people bring money and, there are plenty of people who have brought money and uh, done all right. There's plenty of people who have brought money and sucked dick. And then there's the, and then you have in between. I mean, I kind of gravitate towards those who have had to actually work hard and, um, you know, earn it. I think that, you know, I mean, you know, Josh, you're a junior guy. His dad never gave him any, he didn't give him everything. Dale Jr. talks about being on the grind. And to be fair, he was getting beat by his sister. And his sister was probably the best of the three of them. But Dale Sr. told Kelly, you go to school and you go and figure out how to run this business. Because I know that you can race. And I respect the fact that you can race. But I know that I want you to run DEI. He basically had his daughter sacrifice her career because one she wanted eventually you know to go and have a family and all that but also he knew how smart she was but he never gave dale jr anything and dale jr had to grind his way to a hall of fame career and he did and you can tell it by the way he carries himself and the way he is for all these different entities that he's got going on you know not only pod the dirty mo the announcing being the most genuine announcer there is in NASCAR and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They had to come up different. They had to actually do something. Junior won. Junior won two championships. I mean, granted, Steve Park set the table with the Uries in 97, and he had to win, and he won two championships. He beat Matt Kenseth, ran him over at Dover in 98, but he won two championships. Went to the Cup Series, won the All-Star Race, won two races his rookie year. And he had he became the most popular driver in the sport. And But there's a difference. There's a humbleness to what he went through. And it doesn't exist with this kind of driver. And I think that's what bothers me fundamentally. And I worry about that for the future of this sport. Um, IndyCar, yeah, I mean, you talked about the lack of promotion. It's existed for decades. Roger Penske... They've remade the IndyCar series or Indy Light series to some bullshit Indy XT crap. And they fucked Linus Lundquist over, who has a ton of talent and should have probably been able to get into a seat with with Dale Coyne. Um, instead, he's going to get bumped off for like Marcus Armstrong or some Formula 2 driver. And Linus Lundquist dominated last year. He deserved a ride in this series. Uh, it's a bad look. When you're killing the key feeder system, the disconnect with uh, Dan Anderson, who has held the Road to Indy program up for so many years, 
um, is bad too. The IndyCar series is great. I love the IndyCars. Indianapolis has scored another touchdown. Speaking of IndyCars, um, I love IndyCar racing for as long as I live. I've went through the end. I was at the back end of when the IndyCars had peaked to the point where Formula One and burned the troll was worried about Formula One. And I think honestly, between him and Bill Franz Jr., um, those two guys were the two two of the main catalysts for why the indie split happened. Um, I do need to read John Oriovitz's uh, book. Yeah, indie definitely split, read that, and uh, to confirm my suspicion. But um, that's at least one thought I have on that. Um, they have the most competitive. They have the tightest field. You know, you have twenty four cars or more, depending on the whatever. You have twenty four, twenty five cars on a race by race basis that are separated by the better part of maybe about two, three tenths, especially in qualifying at road courses, trying to get, get through to the fast 12 and a indie road course rate, indie car road course race is insane. I mean, absolutely insane. So you have a great product. You don't promote it. Well, you don't promote your drivers. The most promotable figure is an announcer. The most popular driver in IndyCar racing is a fucking announcer. That's all you need to know about where IndyCar is at. I love James Hinchcliffe. I am grateful that he is in the announce booth. I am also grateful that he wants to get back on the racetrack because he should be out there. He's a good race car driver. Was he elite? No, but he has. He's re, he's realistic. He's like, you know what? I have a voice. I know how to explain the sport, and I know I could do this for fifty years. And my wife can go and do her acting. I can announce. I can dovetail all these things. I can have a podcast. I can, I could do so much crap. That he's a smart dude. He, even you know this sport that almost took his life. He is a smart dude. He knows he has a bigger presence. He has a greater way to go and help this sport. He is going to be. It's not up to him. IndyCar has had great writers that work for their actual. Medias, they media, uh, you know, team. They've had great writers. They've had great people. They they employ. It makes no sense. It is the poorest promotion that exists. Period. And it's been going on for as long as they did the merger. So that's fourteen years. It's been going on for a long time. So you know, and Robin Miller ain't around to go and yell about it anymore. God bless his soul. Uh, and that's part of the problem too. But. You know, I don't know if that's going to change. I doubt it will, but see what it is. I mean, Formula One, yeah, the product wasn't great this year. I think the cars, I think they need, they they missed the boat. They made the cars wider and longer than they've ever been before. You look at the 1950s and early 1960s Formula One cars, what we have today, they've lost the plot. You need an, You need to have the cars narrower and shorter. Similar, I guess, to what they kind of had in 09, but more aesthetically pleasing. So, you you, you know, kind of tighten that box up, make the cars more aesthetically pleasing, but also make them raceable. And when you have all these freaking engineers and all these people and all this money, you could do that. And then some of these other gimmicks you have to do to make racing happen, when you have tracks that have the width for three cars wide in a lot of places and definitely two cars wide... You might not have some of the issues they have there. They, I mean, Formula One's in bed with their the guy who runs FIA is a Saudi guy or whatever the hell Arab guy. They run in all these 
countries. I mean, they're not going to go to China anymore, so that's a positive. But they run in Saudi. It's terrible. They run in Qatar. They're going to start running in Qatar. It's bad. They run. They run in Abu Dhabi. It's one of the shittiest tracks on the face of this planet. Um, Bahrain. They've been running there for nearly two decades. Uh, it's the same kind of deal, but Bahrain actually has a decent track. So they got one out of four, but they got shit tons of money, and they're trying to sports wash all their bullshit that they do um, in terms of human rights. Uh, you know, minus the fact that Max Verstappen's a cocksucker and an asshole, and he drives for uh, a team that um, has two people that are completely clueless and tone deaf in regards to reality and life and um, social things, you know, with one-eyed Marco and, and Karen Horner. Guy won 15 races, you can't deny that. Dominant figure, MFR talks like, oh, I could have won all those races in the Mercedes. I doubt it, because anytime he races around Lewis Hamilton, he drives through him. He doesn't know how to drive against him, which means he doesn't know how to drive properly. Um, when he knows that somebody's going to pull over for him, all of a sudden he seems to know how to drive. It's convenient. Um, even even Ayrton Senna, who's one of my heroes, picked got a hint um, when Martin Brundle actually raced him hard for the Formula Three title back in 1983, and 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 Senna ended up parking his car on top of Martin Brundle's head. He knew he had to change his game. When Alan Prost said he wasn't going to give anymore, I mean, he took it to an extreme measure, but he he knew he had to change his game. Um, Nigel Mansell is a drama queen, so it is what it is. With him, uh, Schumacher and, and Senna had their battles at the end of Senna's career. Um, the reality of the world is even the greatest had to change their game. And if Max Verstappen wants to actually be a great driver, even though the statistics already fulfill him as being a great driver, he needs to learn. I mean, he has a poor, he has a terrible background to support this because his dad's a douchebag, an asshole, a philanderer, you know, woman, whatever. He doesn't know how to be good to women. He abuses his kids. I mean, he, the, the officer stopping the terrible person. One-Eyed Marco runs one of the shittiest driver development, even though they have so many great names that have been in racing. How many of them have been successful in Formula One directly? Like, you talk about Sebastian Vettel. He was a BMW development driver. Max Verstappen was at Mercedes first before he went to Red Bull. So can you name me, like, like once you really get into into the into the depths of this, who the hell has Red Bull actually made that's been a really good Formula One driver? There's one guy, Daniel Ricciardo. And you know what he's doing? He's gonna be running. He's gonna be running, uh, uh, doing sponsor appearances next year. That's that's the best driver Red Bulls ever developed for Formula One. They ran Scott Speed out of the sport. They ran Vittantonio Liuzzi out. Insert, you know, uh, Antonio Felix da Costa. You know, uh, Algasari. All these people. They ran Gasly. Into the ground, Albon. I mean, come on, man. It's a joke the way they run things. I mean, I've I'm outspoken in that, and I'll continue to be. They're a joke. They're a terrible like, representation of the sport. Max Verstappen's a terrible representation as a champ as a champion. Um, and the fact that FIA is in their back pocket is a big problem. And um, I mean, nothing's really going to change. I don't think 
I don't think Mercedes is going to make this massive jump to go and pass them. I would hope so because of the amount of money they have in their coffers. But then there's a spending cap. Ferrari needs to get a more durable engine. They might be able to compete, but they're a disaster organization. They've been that way since Schumacher retired. Uh, The way FIA runs races is questionable and terrible. They need to fix that, especially in the rain. But the way they make decisions for full-course yellows and stuff is bad. I mean, it's like NASCAR, the way they throw phantom yellows. They don't do it as much, but the way they they run some of their races and the way they, the, the way they make their championship, like, there, there are things with that that are questionable for sure. But, you know, I mean, for those series, I mean, IMSA, I think they, the, 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 their point system is not great. It's hard to follow, to be fair. Um, they got so many different championships within a championship that you're not really going to be able to get into it that way. So you need to make it a little more relatable. Now that you have the GTP um, LMDH cars coming into play, maybe you could do that, connect to fans a little bit more. I mean, the fact is it's a niche audience that you have there uh, in IMSA, but maybe that's something to work on. Uh, NASCAR definitely has to work on that car and make it safer, and um, they need to make it more raceable at short tracks since they've made short tracks a big part of their um their emphasis here especially moving into 23 where they're going to make some changes to their schedule supposedly and then of course they're running it for the all-star race uh good point there and the fact that there will be a street course race in chicago randomly uh for whatever it's worth um instead of the firecracker 400 be running on a street course where there's going to be shots being fired, which, to be fair, most of NAS- the, the typical NASCAR fan probably is liable to go and have guns in their house and they'd fire them off and do whatever. So why wouldn't there be guns going off in a NASCAR race? But it, they'll they'll be offended when it happens in Chicago. But, um, you know, the, that those are some of the things from those main series. I mean, some of the other series have their issues. I mean, there's issues everywhere. I don't want to be a total Debbie Downer. Uh, back in the day, I think I could have went on some rants, to be fair, especially on Ty Gibbs and Gregson, the way they drive, and some of these other people like Max Verstappen. But I'm trying to be a better person. I'm trying to hope that it'll help me you know, over life and over time for some more positive energy. Pittsburgh is driving here. This is actually a good game. Surprisingly, yeah. In the fourth quarter. Oh, man. On the two-yard line. Yeah. Man. Yeah. No, that's an incomplete pass. So uh, that is, that's the end for me. Um, uh, Cameron Hayward is not even playing. I don't know what the hell happened uh, to him today. So I'm going to have a donut from Cam Hayward. Uh, Kenny Pickett has had no touchdowns, but he has 14 Point seven points. Uh, typical IDP, um, not getting anything from my IDPs, which is just absolutely god awful. Uh, I have to, yeah, so I have to go and make that change. Um, yeah, so we'll uh, move on. Uh, Josh, um, what's going on in regards to iRacing, F1, etc.? Um, maybe trying to make a hit. 
uh, on uh, Dinner with Racers uh, Thursday Night Blunder, possibly. Yeah, I have to look into that one, see where we are. I think I signed up for that, and I don't know what happened to that one. I have, maybe I have to do it again. Uh, we'll see. But uh, iRacing uh, this week, uh, oval stuff. Yeah, it's pretty much off-season now here. I mean, well, it's not off-season because they're still racing, but, um, I mean, the schedule is reflecting the off-season. That's what I'll say. Uh, but, yeah, Xfinity at Auto Club should be interesting. Uh the winter, so they have like a 87 car series that call it the winter eye racing NASCAR series. That's, uh, racing the 87 cars, uh, Nashville. It's a kind of a longer form. Cause so the, uh, like for example, like the 87 cars normally run like a 50 lap race at like da- Daytona or Talladega. Well, the winter series runs like about like 120 laps, uh, for the same events. Uh, so here, uh, we got winter, the winter series uh at uh nashville super speedway this week uh should be interesting uh 150 laps gonna be a lot a lot of tire where nashville is pretty hard on tires should be a lot of off throttle time so if i have time i'll get into that it's a bit of a longer one so uh i'll have to see if i can set aside for some time for that one uh the regular nascar legends cars are at phoenix 2008 so the old phoenix not the new one should be interesting also a lot of tire wear here old asphalt surface and all that stuff uh when phoenix was actually good at racing uh so that might be interesting there too uh the production lab sim car challenge this is the uh four four car class d series that runs for 25 minutes at road courses uh that's and sometimes ovals that's at laguna seca this week so might be a good race to run uh there in the ford mustang uh uh let's see where else the trying to look uh this at the oval at the road road course side uh probably a little bit more action on the road side this week uh for whatever reason um let's see here uh we have ferrari gt3 at fuji international speedway should be interesting there uh Road at or Road America in the Cadillac uh, series, or well, you can run either Kia Optimas or Cadillacs. That might be something to go do. Uh, we got Michelin Pilot Challenge, uh, which has the Honda Civic in the uh, which I have in the uh, Laguna Seca WeatherTech Raceway at Laguna Seca uh, Touring Car Challenge that also has the Honda and the Honda Civic. That's at uh, Laguna Seca GT4. So I got the BMW GT4 uh, M4. That's at Laguna Seca. So there's going to be a lot of, looks like, road racing this week at Laguna Seca. That's also one of my favorite tracks to run on the roadside in addition to Road America. Uh, open uh, IndyCar Series, open setup at Texas Motor Speedway. I don't really know why anyone would do that. And looking at how many people are signed up for the race uh, that starts at 11 o'clock there's only two people signed up so that tells you how many people actually want to run texas motor speedway uh on the the open setup indycar series so yeah not a lot of people and i don't even think the race will count because if there's not enough people signed up for the race it, they they won't count it and uh it it won't affect your safety rating or uh your uh your i rating or anything like that so uh probably well that's probably what will happen there um Let's see, where else can we go here? Uh, we don't really talk a lot about 
dirt stuff. And actually, also the uh, fixed IndyCar series is at Atlanta Motor Speedway 2008, so the old Atlanta. So that might be interesting in terms of tire wear. Uh, there, I, I actually, yeah, yeah, that's uh, going to be an interesting one there uh, if if I decide to run that one. Um, dirt oval, don't really talk a lot about that one, uh, like I was saying earlier, but uh, let's see here. The Street Sox Series, Lima Land Motorsports Park, one of the uh, default tracks, I think, that comes with it. Uh, let's see, Eldora Speedway and the Dirt Street Stock as well. Uh, that might be interesting. Um, not really much of a dirt guy. Uh, I think you have to change up your steering settings to reflect the dirt uh, racing. you got to have put in a lot more uh, steering input into it, or at least response. So you need a lot more quicker steering to be able to throw the steering wheel around and catch the car, uh, you know, in the middle of the corner as, you know, you're, you know, steering the car to the right to, to the left and all that stuff. So I don't really run dirt that often, but I have done it uh time from time to time. Uh, maybe, maybe during the winter here, I'll pick up on that a little bit more. So, uh, we'll see. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, dirt road. Yeah. Dirt road racing. That's like the off-road series and stuff. Uh, off-road. Yeah. I've, I've never actually run a race on this on those types of tracks so we got lucas oil off-road cars phoenix raceway 2008 so that might be interesting vw uh beetle at knock hill racing circuit that yeah might i don't know might get, yeah, get into that one yeah the knock hill's a great yeah. circuit yeah so a lot of yeah they got a lot of rally cross here which i've never done really before so i'm i don't know maybe That'll be another thing, get into some dirt stuff this weekend. So, or not this weekend, but, you know, over the course of the winter here, that might be something to look at. Uh, well, yeah, I got the uh, iRacing also. They have their Black Friday sale still going on until, I think, the end of this week. So, um, you know, you can do 12 months or 24 months for 50% off the normal rate for uh, those those rates. I think, uh, let's see, home iRacing 25% off on renewals. Uh, so if you look at, yeah, they normally go uh, trying to open this up. So $82.50 uh, for 12 month renewal, $149.25 for 24 month renewal. So you can go on there, save, I guess, a little bit on for regular price, $110 for the 12 month, $199 for the 24 month one. So a little bit of savings there. If you trying to go long-term membership, iRacing, racing, if you want, uh, there's that, uh, we were talking about it offline Fanatec. They're one of the good, uh, sim racing brands for pedals and steering wheels and controllers. Uh, they are having a black Friday sale as well. I think ending Tuesday. So get on that. Uh, I got to get on one too. Uh, been putting it off, but I plan to do it after this, uh, some of their stuff is on sale. They got pedals on sale. So I'm going to look into that, try to upgrade there. And that'll be another way to get better. Cause a lot of people say that one of the ways you can get faster is to uh, have better pedals. I think specifically the brakes there, uh, you know, a lot of the entry ones, a lot of the entry level brake pedals or pedal sets, I should say they, they don't have, uh, they measure the braking by, I guess, by, uh, the amount of distance you put into the brake, uh, axis where as like you know the stuff Fanatec puts out a lot of other uh, Thrustmaster uh, even Logitech now some of the equipment that they're having uh, they do it by uh, load cell so you measure it by pressure which is more realistic and um, you know a lot a lot more like real racing lot like real road cars so 
gonna have to look in that one for sure. Uh, Formula One, yeah, I actually, yeah, I might try to pick that one up a little bit more. Um, do that one a little bit more. I think it's more of a for fun thing since that's on on console. So, done it a few times in the past, but yeah, definitely during the winter here, probably pick that one up a little bit more. Especially sometimes, you know, don't want to pull out the rig to or the, you know the uh, steering wheel and pedals uh, seat and everything set that all up to run our racing so maybe you know chill back and on the couch or whatever and play on f1 so try to go and do that so yeah uh think that's it this week for sim segment of course so yeah we'll let you know when i stream of course uh you can look at that uh you sailor 2 where all my streaming is at look on there for uh when i have streams that are up and things that you can watch so yeah go on there um yeah go into the close now of course once again you seller too go on there fall on twitch go on there and look look me up and follow my stuff and I'll let you know when i go live which you can probably see that on twitter at jb Huffine, where i have all the takes all the things you know that i talked about with the jaguars racing and everything else uh of course talking about trevor lawrence there and on one last note on him i found out that his name is actually William Trevor Lawrence, so he's uh, goes by his middle name. And actually, if you want to shorten it up, it's actually Bill Lawrence, uh, and who is I think the creator of Scrubs and many other TV shows. Uh, and Trevor Lawrence is definitely not a scrub. So uh, there's that. So not anymore. Um, yeah, not anymore. Not anymore. So um, and probably never was. Just never was able to. Just hadn't been able to put it together all until now. So there's that. But yeah, interesting tidbit there, which I found out last week and kind of laughed at that his name's actually William. But um, you know, maybe maybe as a joke they start referring to him as William Lawrence. But for he gets a W, we'll call him W for or, yeah W for William. So maybe we'll do that. But um, yeah, you can go on there. Yeah, and also of course one last thing, uh, of course follow the YouTube page where we put this video up uh, this week and see all other episodes that we've had this year. Um, that's the one change that we made this year, but go on YouTube and start doing that. Uh, so you can follow our YouTube stuff, uh, at, uh, group strip podcasts on YouTube, go in there, subscribe to our page and like our videos and comment and all that stuff. So yeah, that's it for me this week. Um, as always, you know, glad to be on the show and glad to be able to talk about it and, you know, glad to be able to, uh, you know, talk about racing, talk about football with you on here. So yeah, glad to do it. And, uh, yeah, thanks. And, you know, hopefully you had a good Thanksgiving. It sounds like you did. So, uh, yeah, glad to, glad to be able to do it with you every week. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that we're able to do this together and just shoot the shit. It helps. It's good for health. I mean, we're getting in a, you know, with mental health and a lot of things, but this, this game is part of a, a deal that, um, what's his name? Um, Jim Irsay is doing like a, a fundraiser for mental health. And considering Jim Irsay, some of the decisions he makes, um, you could say that he probably needs it too, but he, as somebody who deals with, um, and has dealt with, uh, issues in regards to depression and other things. Um, it is a time where we have to, I mean, in general, it's always a time to be sensitive and understanding. And based on the job I actually do and barely make any money at, and then my own personal issues I have, uh, and considering the way our society has become, there are a lot of people who have a lot of issues 
and they're not diagnosed or they're not handled properly. Um, so, I mean, when it comes to this show, it's part of what makes my life better. And it's one thing that I always promote to friends and family. And I doubt most of them listen to it because it's racing and sports, but whatever. It's a passion. It's something that, um, you know, there's people that have helped me along the way that told me what I need to do. You know, we've had some of those people on on this show, you know, Clayton and uh, and the sort like that. And, you know, having that show and being able to be a part of that deal, a proper structured show. And then, you know, Frank with the Indie Sports Car Podcast, him and Missy, um, they did such a great job with their show. And um, he gave me that guidance to where we're here together. Josh and I are together. We talk racing and we'd be able to just, I mean, I I mean, most people say, oh, well, we more or less agree most of the time. Well, okay. But the fact is we have two different, we take it from two different angles. I just take it my way. And, you know, Josh takes it the more analytical, mathematical, you can go and look at it in a different perspective. And the fact is that's where the balance works. Sometimes we disagree, but that's part of the fun. We're able to go and, and, and we might be, we generally hit on the same kind of topics that, uh, that are, are going on. And it's part of what makes the show so great. And um, it's why it's going to continue to exist. So for people that don't want it to exist, go fuck yourself. Um, we're at Gripster Pod on Twitter. I'm at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. Um, Josh, of course, promoted his socials. Uh, we um, look at us, of course, uh, on the YouTube page, Gripster Podcast on YouTube. Um, we'll, um, we're on philipgmatthew.com, my blog site. And um, you can find us anywhere where podcasts are uh are promoted basically and distributed. Uh, we have the grip strip. If, if you, if you listen to podcasts, you know where podcasts are at. The grip strip podcast is there. We'll be back next week for episode 147. We'll be, uh, talking. We'll get into football, NFL. Hopefully the U S soccer team advances to the knockout stage. Um, doesn't get shot in the process considering it's Iran and in and Qatar. And, is it um, democracy? So wait, hold on. That is it. Is it regime change and spreading democracy if the U.S. defeats Iran in the World Cup? That's not gonna. Well, that that's not uh, gonna happen. But they definitely need to win. Uh, that's all I know. Um, I I just hope none of our guys get shot. That's really all I hope at this point. Other other than them, I want them to win. I hope none of them get shot. And their coaches and coaches and all that. Uh, that's really all I'm hoping for tomorrow. Um, I mean, the fact that they're playing in Qatar is a joke. But and in the middle of in middle of the season for most of these guys is even worse. But we didn't get into it. But I'm not going to go off on a tangent. I'm good for that. But I'm not going to go off on a tangent right here. Uh, 147. We'll talk about NFL. Hopefully, we'll be talking about the World Cup. Hopefully we'll be talking about me actually having a good week bowling. Uh, need one. Got a position week in my Thursday league where we're dead last, and then and we're we're down at the bottom in in the league tomorrow. Uh, need a good week against one of the best teams. Uh, need to make some adjustments on my end to help that, and hopefully uh, have a chance there. 
But um, if if that happens, more than likely I'll post it on social media. Um, you can find me at I uh, said on Twitter, but Philip G Matthew twenty eight on Insta. And um, yeah, uh, we thank you for listening to Gripster Podcast. Hopefully, we got some opportunities to have some collaborations. But some of the people that are on Grid Talk, uh, both of us now are uh people who have been on the grid talk podcast so uh we can go and possibly have some collabs on there we have some other ideas cooking we have uh season recap time so episode 147 will be the cup series so we'll talk about the cup series next week uh season recap talk about joey logano's uh second championship and all the other stuff that went on this year in the cup series next week on the Gripture podcast amongst all the other stuff that we'll get into. So for Josh, I'm Phil. Thank you for listening to Gripture podcast, supporting us. Um, let us let people know about us. Let us know what you want us to do or talk about what we need to improve. We're always open to constructive criticism. Uh, with that for Josh, I'm Phil. Take care. God bless. Goodbye.